Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. Today on the show, I've got Tom Peavy and Brooke Childress with me. Fun show planned for you today as we recap the Home Run Derby from last night. Boy, was it a lot of fun. Uh, we have a Town Name Tuesday coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We, we will reveal the states later for that, just so that no one looks anything up. Not that anyone would, but... Uh, we will keep that a mystery until 5 o'clock, so we'll play a new town name Tuesday. Also talk a little bit about Thunder Chickens. Got two more games in store for tonight, two more opportunities to run around and, and uh, try our hand at athletics, and that's when I will leave it at that. Also, we will, on a, a little bit of a uh, less positive note, we'll dive into some of the Northwestern stuff at some point today too, maybe, maybe here in just a few minutes uh, with Pat Fitzgerald being – Fired. That was uh, news right at the right at the end of our show yesterday. So we'll get some more thoughts on that. Of course, birthdays and sports and nightly TV guide as always, and your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine again. Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here on this town name Tuesday. We'll start with you, Brooks. Good to see you, sir. And I hope you had a great uh, weekend. Yeah, it was a good weekend, a, a busy weekend around in, in sports. I did, wasn't very busy. I uh, was uh, stayed around the uh, the home for a little while uh, this weekend, so not, nothing too special happened. But, yeah, we've uh, Braves took two out of three over the weekend from the, the Tampa Bay Rays, who were uh, slumping coming into the All-Star break, got one back. Uh, from from the Braves right at the very end, uh, the last game before going to the All Star break, so I'm sure that that helped their spirits going into the break. Uh, but yeah, a lot of Braves All Stars getting ready to take the field tonight. Uh, it, I think it's one of the most uh, All Stars that the Braves have had in in a while. I think it's the franchise it's a record. franchise yeah. record. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. So in a while <laughs> um it but uh it, it can't wait to watch them in action tonight we'll see how much they get uh, get going like you said exciting uh an exciting home run derby last night i'm sure a lot of braves fans were excited to see pete alonso get eliminated pretty early uh in in the in the uh in the festivities and then uh yeah it was it was so fun to watch and put on a show everybody put on a show you saw them you you saw at the end people running out a little little running out of gas there but they they still they were still able to get up there 20 25 home runs by the end of the end of it so man it, it was it's so fun and um yeah in the middle of mlb draft continues going on all, a couple auburn players still on the board that could be selected a few auburn players got selected to yesterday uh one got picked up today and yeah can't wait to talk about all of that can't wait to talk about all of uh, uh wait, can't wait to talk to all of our callers tom pv also on the show tom how are you doing i'm doing great uh, yeah a lot of stuff going on i i 
man, the, the home run derby, I started watching the beginning of it and then I fell asleep and, and woke up and it was ending. And so, uh, but I kind of had to need, I needed that nap before I went into work last night. So, you know, to be expected, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was watching the highlights of it, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Winning the whole thing. Uh, I think most people thought Pete Alonzo would be there, but he struggled. I think his pitcher struggled to get the ball to him is yeah. what it seemed like. But, um, yeah, I mean, great home run derby, great crowd, uh, you know, a, as always. But a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, Braves, you mentioned, uh, a great great first half for them. And so uh, we'll see if they can keep it going once they get through this all-star break. But looking forward to it, looking forward to talking a lot of sports, looking forward to everything that we got going on on this Town Name Tuesday. Absolutely. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of start with that home run derby a little bit as uh, it was a lot of fun last night. We previewed it yesterday with the matchups. I got just about everything wrong, uh, as is uh, custom. I did get the Luis Robert first round deal uh, right, but I thought a Rosarina would be out early and then uh, did not see Julio uh, getting past, uh, past Alonzo. I uh, just didn't see almost any of it. Knew that Vlad Guerrero would have a chance, but again, I thought he'd be knocked out by by Alonzo early on there. Saw what, on average, usually about 26, 28 home runs per per contestant per round there. We had a couple, though. Julio had the, what, 41 yeah. round, which was insane, and, and uh, that's part of the reason Alonzo was knocked out, obviously, with such a huge total uh, against him there. Admittedly, was a little bit funny to see that because that's like the one thing the Mets had to look forward to. Uh, yeah, Frank, the, the, Frank the Tank's probably even sadder now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, how many shirts you ripped apart? <laughs> but also, just objectively cool to see the the home home guy yeah. have a a big run like that. The the stadium obviously buzzes a little bit more when it's when it's the own team. Uh, he forty one's incredible to break down the numbers to. You know, you get the minute bonus. If you hit, everyone got a 30-second bonus, but then you got another 30 seconds if you hit two 440-foot home runs. And so 41 home runs in four total minutes. It's 10 home runs a minute. That's a home run every six seconds. Now, new this year, in past years, you had to let the ball land. You could not throw again until the ball landed. And they did away with that. So Rodriguez, that round is a home run every six seconds. Even still... I mean, you can't fire off much quicker than every three or four seconds. So there's not a whole lot higher. I'm not going to say that's the absolute max that you can see. I think the max you can see is maybe upper 40s. But that's damn near the best round that you can actually have. Uh, I, I think they, they said a stat like he swung at every ball that was thrown to him. Oh, really? I think that, the, the you know, some guys let it go by. Take a couple, I think yeah. I heard last night that they said that he swung at every single pitch that came to him. Man, I mean, and again, that makes sense. It doesn't behoove you to take a lot of pitches unless they're just so far off the plate uh, because this is time-oriented. We were talking about this yesterday, Brooks, and and now you get to talk about it after the fact, but I, I really think they've done a good job with the format. Yeah. I, at first, was not a big fan. Like, I wasn't really excited about the change, but then seeing that there's actually more home runs hit now that it is a 1v1 yeah. matchups and that that, that kind of gets fun. You can have a lot of close 
to the wire things. I've actually really liked what they've done with the Derby the last few years. Yeah, I mean, I was trying. I was sitting there watching it last night. I was trying to think about. It. They used to just do, wasn't it, like ten balls around, and you just had to see how many of the ten you got, and you got to the, you hit nine of them. And then you got the bonus ball, which was like gold. It had a gold side to it, and you would try to hit it, and it would count for like you'd get like a mo- money bonus or something. But it was like you'd, you'd see how many you could get out of ten out of ten baseballs, and you're like, all right, well that that's fun. But now in, with this new format, you're getting Julio Rodriguez hit 41. You're getting guys hitting 20 something uh, per at bat. Uh, you're getting uh, 30s up there thrown in there, and so it, it's a lot more fun. It it's a it's an exciting product, and you know it's again I I don't like don't like him I, I don't like the man but the the improvements that they that Rob Manfred and MLB have done to this to the home run derby have made it more exciting everybody's you know more locked in you don't have to sit there and say oh you only have ten pitches it's like hey and and I really do like how they they've now let you they've changed it where you can just start swinging away and you don't have to wait for it to land. Because that was like you'd hit it, and if it was going a long way, you'd have to sit there and wait for it to land. Wait, and as soon as it hit, all right, now you got to pitch it. Now it's just like, all right, you just throw me as many as you can. And so it, it's it's exciting. It's got the you know the fans. There's not a, there's not a point in the uh, in in each person's round that the fans have a chance to like, all right, let me just you know take a break now. Let me let me wait for this ball to land. It's you're engaged in every single, uh, every, almost every single second. You're engaged in a, in the event, and it, it's it's really fun. Yeah, I mean, you get the timeout there to give you a little bit of a break because uh, even for those guys, I mean, you're taking violent swings for three consecutive minutes. You know, that's that's not something you're used to doing. No. Uh, to no. put it lightly. So I think it's smart to have the timeout there. Tom, you said you caught the tail end of it. Beginning and tail. Beginning and tail end of it. Um, so, I mean, Excuse again, me. confirming wow. that you like the format now. No, no, no. And, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It seems like you thought it was boring. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I, I like the format. Um, the only thing I don't like about it right now is the announcers. I want Chris Berman. I, I so want Chris Berman calling the Home Run Derby. That's just – he had a knack for that. Um, the the system of the home run derby, I'm fine with it. But yeah, I mean the the three minutes of just taking hacks like that, you could tell those dudes were just flat gassed. But shoot, they they were gassed with like a minute ago. Uh, I mean, just swinging that lumber that much for three minutes is insane. And then to have to turn around and keep doing it again after you win your your round. Uh, but I do like it. I think it makes it fun. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I it's a good thing. It's a good thing the crowd seemed to enjoy it. I'm sure the TV audience enjoyed it. It's it's a good thing. Absolutely, had a lot of fun with that. No concern, or uh, ended up not being a big deal. That Seattle, not the best home run hitting park. I think uh, everybody uh, has the power to hit plenty, and they sure certainly did. You know who I feel bad for is everybody sitting in uh, right field. Yeah, there's just not any of them were hit over. Other there. than Rutschman, who then switched hit. Yeah, in the uh, last minute he got. Or last thirty seconds, he got yeah. He got about twenty balls, thirty balls over there. Yeah, and then all night. But everything, all of Julio's forty-one home runs went to the right. I, I would imagine. So growing up, it seemed like a bigger deal than it does to me now, and maybe for some, it's the opposite. But I used to think, as a kid, catching a foul ball or a home run ball would be, was like the coolest thing ever. And I believe I, I did get a foul ball one time at a, a Birmingham Barons game, but. It seems like the clear best way 
to get a home run ball. Go to the home run derby. Get on. Get in. Get in one of the. Get on the the right. Really, the left field side or whichever side has the most home run hitters. Which normally right right handed hitters, left field, that sort of thing. Because I mean, let's do some math. Uh, I, I I know everyone's like he wants to do what? Let's do some math real quick. So you had eight contestants there in the first round, and let's say they averaged about thirty home runs around. It might have been a little higher than that because Julio's forty one, but just say thirty. Okay, round numbers. That's two hundred and forty homers going out in the first round. Then you had four contestants in the second round. Let's keep the average around thirty. That's another hundred twenty. That's three sixty total. And then in the final, I don't remember what won it, but let's just keep our round. It was, it was 25 because um, okay. uh, Arozarena got yeah, to 23. or 23. Okay. So let's say 25 in that round and 25. That's another yeah. 50. So 360 plus 50. Over 400 home runs hit last night. And I'm sure someone actually did the figure out there. And if I just would have looked and Googled, I would have found it. But there's math. A little over 400 homers. And again, no more than like 30 of them going to – Right field. So yeah. over 300, between 350 and 400 home runs going left field. So your probability of getting one, pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to say great because it's still, some guys might have gotten two. Some of them wouldn't have been catchable. catchable. Some of them might have gotten the bullpen. But if you go to a park where it's kind of unimpeded out there, a lot of chances to catch a, a home run ball during the home run derby. And again, that that might even, that'd be just as cool as catching it in the regular game. What if you catch the road team's homer? You know that, like, exact. I mean, like you, you're not going to really have a huge preference on a guy hitting a home run, a home run derby. They're kind of all there for the entertainment part of it. But it's like you catch a road team's homer, some teams throw it back. Yeah. So it, no, there's really no no bad ones there in the home run derby. Before we take our first break, let's go to the Auburn Make phone line for the first time today. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing today? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about the home run derby. I mean, it it, it looks like a great uh, atmosphere, you know, with these guys that are uh, playing, uh, you know, a, a good pickup uh baseball game you know i mean it looks good you know yeah no it's a it's a lot of fun to see you know it's basically like batting practice but with the big uh, home run emphasis and i uh, saw a lot of kids trying to catch balls in the outfield but the the one big guy hit in the face one of them got smacked in the face off of vlad guerrero line drive but uh the real fun is with all the home runs and there were a lot of them yes as well and then before they did the home run derby uh, games they were showing like highlights from different years um, through the home run derby, uh, you know, like different places that the home run derby was actually being hosted through the years. And uh, they showed the last one, which was uh, King Griffey Jr. Uh, that one was uh, in uh, in Cameron Yard, and that one is. It, it, it will stand to the test of time right there. Because when you're talking about Cameron Yard, one of the historic baseball uh, fields, uh, you know, that that right there, that that is actually one of the best uh, Kodak moments of all time. Yeah, King Griffey Jr.'s uh, got some legendary performances and in the home run derby at Camden Yards and – uh, yeah, I know that, that Griffey was a lot of fun to watch in the Derby. You had Bonds compete in a home run Derby. And you've had 
Uh, unlike in basketball with the dunk contest as we were talking about yesterday, we've been able to see a lot of the biggest stars of the sport compete in the home run derby, and that's always made it a lot of fun. Yes, as well. And then they were uh, they, they were showing a lot of uh, talent, you know, before the um, home run derby. Uh, you know, they, they were showing a lot, you know, with with how they evolved into putting the home run derby together. But I think next year's home run derby, I think it should be in Atlanta as well. Well, it's always wherever the the All-Star game is taking place. And it was supposed to be in Atlanta a few years ago. And Major League Baseball moved it out of Atlanta for a political reason. And uh, they have yet to return uh, back to Atlanta. But uh, it was supposed to be in Atlanta. They they moved it out, which angered a lot of people and uh, still is confusing even to me. I certainly didn't agree with it. But... Uh, but then the Braves won the World Series. But the Braves won the World Series instead. <laughs> so I think they'd still take that trade off. But we'll see if it ever comes to Atlanta here. James, you with us? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. All good. What else is on your yeah. mind? Well, I'm actually going to be uh, looking at uh, tonight's game that's actually going to be uh, played tonight between the American League and the National League as well. Yeah, excited about that one. I got several Atlanta Braves in there. I know you got some of your Texas Rangers and the American League team, and I know that the first batter of the game is going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Braves, and he's got Freddie Freeman, his, his old teammate, hitting right behind him. So uh, there's going to be a lot of star power out there tonight. Yes, I saw because this is actually my first time actually watching uh, this you know classic game as well, and uh, seeing some of my Texas Rangers that I actually put on the list and uh, seeing that they're actually going to hit home runs. So I just have to see if the American League is going to bring the uh, lightning and thunder. Yeah, we'll see. You know, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on your point of view, you know, they no longer, uh, the, the outcome of the game no longer determines who hosts the World Series. Did you like when the All Star game outcome ho- uh, allowed a, a certain league to host the, the World Series? Um, yes, I actually did uh, like it as well because it is, um, you know, it, they can actually uh, depict on where the World Series would be played at. So I'm thinking this year, um, I don't know if it's, I don't know where the World Series is going to be played. Um, I'm hoping it'll be played like in in Arlington or uh, Atlanta or. You know, Cameron Yard, one of those three major stadiums as well. Yeah, absolutely. It will just depend on who ends up making it and that sort of thing. What else is on your mind? Well, I know I've been um, keeping up with this for quite some time about the head coach uh, from Northwestern. Um, that was just the wrong move that he actually did. And uh, I don't know if they're going to, like, I know they're firing him now, but I don't know if they're going to uh, dive deeper into it, or are they just going to just, you know, leave it leave it as it as it should, or what? What do you think uh, that's going to happen before the uh, college football season uh, begins in in a couple of weeks from now? Well, I'm sure they'll continue an investigation to some degree and try to get to the bottom of how and what exactly happened and for how long and and that sort of thing. But as far as their upcoming season, I mean, it's going to be very difficult. I mean, we're about a month and a half away 
from the start of the season, obviously really no good opportunity to, to hire a coach from outside. They're going to have to kind of rely on their staff. I just saw reporting that they're going to retain all their assistants, which is a, another interesting move if you think about the dynamics within a locker room and, and how, you know, if, if uh, one coach is supposed to see it, how wouldn't the assistants been able to see it too? So that's a whole other uh, can of worms to get into. But as of now, they're keeping all their assistants, so they're going to have an interim, and uh, it's just going to be a very difficult season for them upcoming. Yes, I saw. And then if they're – if – uh, Northwestern, uh, if they're actually looking for a head coach, I really uh, would like Northwestern to get this head coach. Um, our former Auburn head coach, uh, Brian Harson, would would be a good a good fit for Northwestern as well. I, I actually see him coaching uh, Northwestern as well. He he has a lot of uh, coaching experience as well, so I know he had. A lot of coaching experience at Auburn, and I think he's he's going to be like a good fit for Northwestern as well. Yeah, I don't I don't know. We'll we'll have to see as they go along for a few years. I think that they're probably going to be targeting somebody that has coached at another school that's kind of similar to Northwestern, and in that you know someone where that has very high academic standards and not exactly as competitive from year to year. Uh, tradition-wise and the wins and losses and that sort of thing. But uh, it'll ultimately just see. I mean, we got to see what assistant here they elevate, how they do this year, and a long way to go before that. But uh, I'm sure Harson will get back into coaching at, uh, at some point, but I don't know if there would be any interest there, maybe maybe either either way, uh, honestly, in, in, in that form. Yes, as well, because I'm actually counting – down the days to uh, the college football season because I know it's right around the corner. They they actually have some games in August I'm actually looking at. So it's going to be week zero. So I'm going to be looking at uh, some games on week zero before the actual season starts in September. So there's going to be like eight eight games uh, this coming up August. So it's going to be um, the, the first game that I'm actually going to be looking at is uh, seeing a brand new and improved uh, Navy uh, football team and seeing how they're going to improve with their new uh, quarterback uh, decision and everything like that. And I think that I see uh, Navy actually winning another bowl game this year as well. All right. Yeah, they've got a big test in week zero. they got to play Notre Dame. That's going to be the first game of the day there in the FBS. And uh, that's uh, a tough one. Navy used to give Notre Dame some problems at times, maybe eight, ten years ago, that sort of thing. But recently, the Fighting Irish have been better against them. That's always a fun little game that, that takes place every year uh, amongst independent teams. And, yeah, I think right now Notre Dame favored by 20 points, but we'll see if, if Navy's got something for them. Yes, that's well, because I'm going to be watching a lot of college games this year. I'm going to be watching a lot of SEC games. I'm going to be watching a lot of, um, you know, uh, slack divisional games as well, seeing uh, Jacksonville State, Alabama State, uh, Gremlin State University, and many other uh, universities as well, and uh, trying to see uh, who's going to actually uh, make it to a bowl game this year as well, and uh, seeing some great games that are going to be coming in in December, uh, actually looking at Rice University and Appalachian State University in Ohio. Uh, State University as well, just to see if they're going to make it 
and punch a ticket in to this year's Chameleon Bowl in Montgomery. Well, yeah, you're covering some bases there for sure. You got Rice in the state of Texas. You got App State over in North Carolina. And then you got Ohio, obviously, in the state of Ohio. So those are all kind of different locations that might try to make the trip uh, to Montgomery for the Camellia Bowl. Yes, as well, because when it's it's college football season right around the corner, I'm always keeping up with a lot of uh, college football news and uh, seeing, you know, what what teams might make it to a bowl game this year. And I think – uh, one team in particular would be Auburn, and I see us actually with our new head coach, Hugh Freeze. I think it's going to be a really uh, opportunity to actually push the iceberg, um, you know, push it out of the way, and actually see, uh, you know, actually see where we're going to where we're going to actually bring that cold uh, weather to a bowl game this year. Yeah, we'll just have to see about that. I, I certainly appreciate the freeze puns there. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Obviously, Auburn expects to go to a bowl game of some kind. We'll, we'll see where that win total falls along six, seven, eight, nine wins, wherever it may fall in, in that range. But uh, certainly want to get to as good of a bowl as you can. Try to get something a little bit bigger than the Birmingham Bowl if possible. Want to try to get one of those Florida Bowls or something like that. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. And, do expect to see Auburn in a bowl game. Yes, I saw. And then with the um, Pro Football Hall of Fame that's going to be coming up in August, I'm actually going to be uh, looking at these two great teams. I'm going to be looking at uh, the New York Jets and seeing uh, what Aaron Rodgers is actually going to do. But I think um, I've already picked um, who's going to win the uh, Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony game, and I think it's going to be Cleveland because I think they're – uh, they're gonna they're gonna win it as well because they have a lot of history with that team, and um, you know this is something that you know when I was looking at it, I was thinking shop beyond uh, Aaron Rodgers side or you know trying to pick for uh, the New York Jets, but I said I'm gonna just uh, you know roll the dice and actually pick uh, Cleveland Browns to win it because this, this is gonna be um, a very happy moment for uh, Jim Brown if he was if he was still with that you know with the team actually as well because I know that's his team and I know he's going to be uh, looking down upon these young men uh, you know from football heaven and and seeing if they're going to make a, a good win for him as well. It's always tough to pick these preseason games just because you never know who's all going to play. But this year, do you think uh, Deshaun Watson's going to have a good year? Um, that depends. Um, Deshaun Watson, I think he's going to have he's going to have a good year this time around because I know he had a lot of um, mistakes that he did last last couple of seasons ago with the allegations and everything. So I think this is going to be a great year for Deshaun Watson to turn his life around as well. So I think uh, he's going to be. I think he's going to be okay with the Cleveland Browns this year as well. We shall see. James, before we let you go, of course, we got two Thunder Chicken games tonight. Do you have some advice for us as we try to get our first win of the season? Um, the only advice I actually have is just, um, you know, just just actually take one game at a time as well. You know, it's it's going to be um, it's going to be a hard 
thing. So just bring the lightning and thunder. That's all I can say. Absolutely. We are Thunder Chicken, so we're going to try and do just that. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle, talk to y'all guys uh, tomorrow. Will do, James. You have a great day. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our first time out of the show today. Back with more sports call right after this. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Town Name Tuesday coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Also birthdays and sports a little bit later and more on Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern. But for now, we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll free, one 888 Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing today? Hey, doing great. Thanks for taking my phone call as always, guys. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, I feel like every day when I come on here, I'm talking to uh, celebrities. So uh, wow. I want to let you know, it's, and I've seen you guys in person, so I, I feel even uh, more occupied. I've got your autographs the last time I saw you. Uh, well, we're going to try to keep making you proud then. But it's good to, to know that, you know, I've seen you people, you know, in person rather than just being a voice uh, over the phone. So let's go go on moving, guys, real quickly. Do you have any 7-Elevens in your area? Uh, do, we do not. Uh, not anymore. Uh, we had some when I was growing up. Yeah, they closed them around our area. But anyway, today is 7-Eleven day, which means if there's a 7-Eleven around you guys, you can get a free Slurpee. Man. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. Nope. They're all over the place when I go to Florida, but they're not around here. Yeah, I don't know what happened to them, but, yeah, they're no longer in Mobile or the Baldwin County area. All right. Moving really, really quickly, guys. Uh, I've been reading about the uh, decision to relieve uh, Northwestern uh, coach, Mr. Fitzpatrick, and uh, there's some things that, uh, for me, don't seem plausible, and I want to get your take on it, okay? And this comes from the actual... Uh, statements of uh, of the uh, uh, I guess the, the president is it uh, yeah who made the decision and he says here that uh, he'd seen a lot of hundreds and hundreds of emails describing how uh, uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick has transferred the lives of current former students 
And then he said something uh, right here that, okay, which, which one is it? He says that the head coach is ultimately responsible for the culture of his team. The hazing we investigated was widespread and clearly not a secret within the program, providing Coach Fitzgerald with the opportunity to learn what was happening. All right, so I read that, and then I go down here, and it says that Mr. Fitzpatrick denies ever having any knowledge of the hazing. Well, which is it, guys? Which one's more plausible, that it was going on, uh, and he says it was widely known. It was, in fact, he said it was not. It's clearly not well kept secret. But then, as coach, he says he had no knowledge of the hazing going on. What sounds plausible, you guys? I think probably more plausible with that. Yeah, I mean, with the whiteboard situation that yeah. was being referred to, that he would have had an idea uh, of what going on, what was going on. Maybe not to the fullest degree. But I think that you would have to know that something was going on there. And even if it was like he, you know, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to ask, so don't tell. You know, the still, I mean, you if it's on the whiteboard in the middle of the locker room, which also gets into, you know, today they announced that they're going to keep all their assistants. So that same whiteboard that's in the locker room, again, we're focusing on that one piece of it. So only the head coach is going to see that whiteboard? Not the assistants aren't going to see it either, you know. I mean, like, thank you. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of questions around this, and it it can go both ways. But, um, you know, I I think that uh, it's really just a shame for for everyone at Northwestern, um, and and former players that went through it, current players that current players who, by the way, truly love Pat Fitzgerald and 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 think the world of him and. Are now you know we're informed via Twitter, which is always just the worst way to find things out, which is becoming increasingly common in this day and age. They said there was a Zoom that the apparently the AD was not even on, uh, and, and really? so yeah, uh, that what the that let them know that he had been fired after they'd already seen it on Twitter. I mean, there's a lot of really That's poor totally personal. Yeah, there's a lot of very poorly handled elements to it from the actual alleged incidents to even how they're handling this now. And, and uh, again, it's, it's, it's bad for everyone involved. Well, here's the part that's also intriguing, guys. It says here, the hazing was well known by many in the program, though the investigator failed to find any credible evidence that Coach Fitzgerald himself knew about it. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, again, th- that is a – that's a part of it where – it really starts I find to get that it. hardly implausible because, like you said, if the whiteboard was there, then uh, if I were the, the coach, I'd want to inquire, uh, guys, uh, what what is this about? Yeah, I mean, and what we don't know is what what whiteboard are we referring to? Like, are we referring to the whiteboard? Did they just take a whiteboard and put it in the corner somewhere? And then if it's in the corner somewhere, would a coach never try to pull it out and be like, "What's this on this?" You know, like I. I it gets into a lot of uh, maybe not facts, but just assumptions, uh, which obviously you got to be careful about assumptions. And again, that's why it's tough to really be able to pick a firm side other than just be like, well, let's think about this logically. Let's think about what's more likely. And then let's think about, okay, if it's this, if he did know, then here's what should happen. Or if he truly didn't know, or or if there's a scenario where there's a chance he wouldn't have known, 
then how should the response be there? But we don't know all the facts, and especially if the investigator is going at this like, oh, I don't know, it was possible that he really didn't know, that, again, murkies the situation, and it would further the case of why the current players are upset um, because they would they would feel like it's not just on, on that end because they're not there when all this alleged stuff goes on now. That's the other thing is how long would the – alleged stuff go on because if it's been if it's still allegedly going on now then those players would be like well we we don't want to be getting trouble ourselves for this because we were part of the ones doing the hazing or is it just this just stuff from several years ago which these players had nothing to do with you know there's <laughs> there's a lot here i mean there's a lot of questions to be asked and i guess that brings my so if the investigator failed to find any credible evidence that Fitzgerald himself knew about it should he have been fired? Yeah, I mean, and that's an incredibly fair question because, look, you can get into, you know, being complicit and that sort of thing. Like, oh, you're the program leader. You need to know these things. What's the penalty for genuinely not knowing these things? I'm not sure that that should be a, a fireable offense. Now, what went on was very bad. So if you if he did know, and allowed it to happen, then that is a fireable offense. I think that's pretty clear. But you get into this murky water of what did he actually know? Only he knows what he. I know this sounds dumb. It's uh, it sounds uh, uh, again. It just sounds dumb. But like only he really knows what he knows. And uh, you know, people are not going to be honest usually in these situations, even if he. Uh, if he did know, he's not going to – most of the time people don't just admit to being like, yeah, I did know. I deserve to be fired. No, he's hiring a lawyer. He's got like this $40 million buyout that they're going to try to get out of this. I mean, there's – it's a, again, there's a, a lot of levels to it. But if he genuinely did not know, then I would say that's why he deserved to get suspended because it's like you're responsible for knowing what's going on in your program – this should be some sort of penalty to you, but it should not be the ultimate penalty if he genuinely did not know. But again, we're working on ifs here. We're not working necessarily on facts. Yeah, I'm just saying, well, if the investigator failed to find any criminal evidence, then on what justification does right. uh, the AD of the president have for firing him? And then I'm thinking about, what about the Paterno incident? You know, people came to Paterno and told him some crap was going on. He chose not to report it. But that's not what's indicated here. And yet, uh, we have, I mean, I find it to me uh, just incredulous that none of these players said anything to Coach Fitzpatrick, uh, the people who even got, you know, tortured or, or hazed or hazing uh, said nothing. Uh, and yet, the other country seems that it was widely known. Well, damn, if it's widely known, how did you not pick up on it? Right. And again, that's where it gets into like you're still responsible to know what's going on with your team, even if it's not necessarily just about football. You know, I mean, you still got to know the issues of your kids and th and that sort of things. And and uh, again, there's the reports that a large number of the Northwestern players weren't involved. And so again, you've got to be responsible for knowing that. So again, I think there is clearly some penalty here, assuming all these events did happen. Which is a pretty safe assumption, but may, that's still maybe not airtight. I think, it, but I mean, it's very descriptive of what these kids were talking about. So it's very likely that some some sort of uh, misconduct and hazing went on here. 
And so with that in mind, it's like, well, okay, that's why the suspension makes sense because you're still responsible for knowing. But if you truly didn't know, are you, are you held to such the high standard that you then lose the job just because you didn't know what kids were making, what bad decisions and what bad stuff they had going on? I'm not sure it should be taken to that step. And then, you know, the reverse course here from the administration is where Fitzgerald is upset because, you know, they had kind of agreed upon right. a, a, a suspension and then without any other notice or without any more evidence from the, the from the administration side, they then decide, you know what, no, we're gonna fire fire you now. So that's where that's why he's trying to lawyer up. Yeah, and I think some due process is in question. And then if you're gonna let him go, uh, how do you then justify nobody else being let go? None of the other assistants, coaches, they did no crap. Right. I mean like I, I see that Look, the head man, just like a, a manager in any other situation, has got to be held to the most responsibility. So there are tiers to to punishment and that sort of thing. But at the same time, if we're talking about this this whiteboard, we're talking about this. You know, we're we're, we're talking about the part of the evidence that suggests that he should have known, which is why the whiteboard keeps coming up and why I keep bringing it up. Then why would the assistants not know about that either? And so, why, if, why did they get off scot free? Right. So to assume, in my opinion, to assume Fitzgerald knew would also be to assume that some assistants knew. Uh, now, the other part of this is we're talking about timetables. So if we're talking ten years ago, is when or five years ago when main stuff of this happened. Well, are there any coaches from that staff still here? Because if we're saying that it's not been going on the last few years, then and these assistants, and I don't know all of them, but if these assistants have not been here but a few years, well, then that's how they would survive the process because they would, in fact, not have been there when the alleged activity was going on. So we've got to figure out what years we're talking about here and if it's been a continuous thing or if it was just a, a, a group of players that lasted three or four years. Okay. Well, I don't think this is over with. Uh, but I'm just not sure if firing him uh, is legally um, got a whole grounds. But moving on, speaking of uh, firings, guys, uh, part ongoing saga of is there such a thing as a resignation or not? Uh, because this is continuing. I'm reading here from uh, Doric Sam, July the 10th, from uh, Bleacher Report. Bob Huggins says in statement he never resigned right. and wants to remain in the role. Have you read that recent article? I've not, but I know the I know the the gist of what's being alleged and and that sort of thing. Yeah, he says that uh, he never told uh, his his players that he was resigning. In fact, I'm reading the statement. He says um, that all he did was talk with them. He says uh, I never submitted the notice. He says required under employment agreement to resign. And then he says that I met with my players on June 17th and let them know the truth that I did not know what would happen to me, but that if I was not their coach, I was hoping that I would be replaced by a coach that I recommended to West Virginia University. Most importantly, whether I was staying or not, I was encouraging the players to stay. All right. Uh, now, there's one way to find that out, right? Because then West Virginia responds saying, Huggins' claim was completely factually inaccurate. So all you got to do, right, is ask the players, what did he say to you guys, right? Right. That's what I would think. 
I mean, that's, that's uh, pretty straightforward. It's one or the other, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would certainly seem so because, I mean, he's he's alleging what he said to a particular group of people. We know that particular group of people. We can ask them. We also know that a lot of them have hit the portal. I think about half the team has. And, uh, you know, I, I, I again, I find it hard to believe, using logic, and I wasn't there, but uh, I would find it hard to believe that that message could be that misconstrued. And also, by the way, I would say that if he truly was felt like he was wronged, like he truly thought they got the wrong idea, he would have come out days later, not weeks later. Why would it have taken weeks? Like, let's just go down this fantasy land. If he truly, you know, got misinterpreted, then he wouldn't have waited three or four weeks to be like, "Oh no, you didn't understand. I wasn't resigning." Why? Why are these all these players leaving? You would have known days later. I mean, we all, <laughs> you all have new different sources of news. He could have figured that out. So I, I think this is a ploy to get some buyout money and get some money on the tail end as like a. Uh, a severance package. I, I, I think there's really no intent to be the coach there, and he certainly will never be the coach there uh, again. But, uh, I, yeah, his his case is not good. His case is not good. Yeah, you know, he is in rehab right now. He said that. Sure. And I, mean, I don't know if that's a justification for why. Uh, but, you know, West Virginia says, no, you ain't coming back. No way. And you did tell your students uh, that you would want to be coaching a team. I said, wow, you know, uh, it's amazing how something that should be pretty clear cut becomes not so clear cut. Right. Okay. Yep. Uh, moving on, guys. Yeah, just a couple uh, more minutes left in the hour, Steve. Yep. All right. I'm really encouraged by some comments made by Jaden Williams today on 247 Sports. Did you read them? I have not. I know that Tobias Harris was in the facility the other day, though. I don't know if it relates to this at all. But okay, well, Jaden Williams just says that the atmosphere uh, among the players is, um, he says, much, uh, I guess, it's much improved. Um, I'm not sure what that means. He says, and uh, the, the players, he said, as they've been practicing, no one is making forced three-point shots. I don't know what he referred to there uh, from the past players. But he said the, uh, the the players just seem more invigorated. So I said, well, this is really interesting because um, he's obviously making some not-so-positive remarks about the previous uh, season's players, right? Yeah, I mean, that can be inferred there. Obviously, it would not be good for him to say that uh, in layman's terms or, or be uh, very forthcoming about it. I mean, look, you've got to – sometimes questions are difficult to answer because they're kind of baiting you into saying something about the old old team or old situation, and you're simply just trying to give credit to the new situation. I don't think that anything was vastly wrong uh, at Auburn last year from a player attitude standpoint. I think there were certainly some occasions of, of poor play and, and bad situational awareness and that sort of thing, and the team just turned out to be an average team. It didn't turn out to be some great team. But, uh, you know, I think that what what it, what we're talking about here is, is new blood. You know, we've got some players uh, in the place at Auburn where there's going to be some real expectations with some of these new players, especially in the guard position. And I think that there's just optimism because some of these guys have been here a while and those are going to contribute in the front court. But some of these new guys in the back court, very exciting and have high ceilings and bringing in some some fresh life, a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, 
his quotes here is that I feel like we're going to shoot the ball a lot better this year. He says they quote, certainly need guys. to. Yeah, yeah. He said we've got guys who are very good set three point shooters. I don't see a lot of guys trying to create their own threes. Yeah, I think I know who he's referring to there. Uh, he's he says just a different vibe. It hasn't felt like this in the past. What does that tell you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think some of those would line up with the criticisms of Wendell Green Jr., uh, to be honest with you. Now, I'm not saying that he's trying to throw him under the bus. He's making comparisons again. But, look, I mean, if you're thinking about somebody other than KD Johnson who could do it from time to time, but if you're thinking about somebody that took a lot of threes, wasn't a great three-point shooter, was supposed to be the leader of the team as a point guard and as a veteran, look, all those boxes are being checked by Wendell Green Jr. So I think that, that reference could be... Uh, could be implied there. All right, finally, guys, one second, maybe two. On July 11th, 1914, a monumental, I guess, event occurred in baseball history. 99 years ago. What was it? Mr. George Herman Ruth pitches for the Boston Red Sox. All right. And they won 4-3 to over the Cleveland Indians, now known as the Cleveland Guardians. You know, he actually was... Not a bad pitcher compared to his hitting record. Sure. Uh, he's anyway, actually really good, yeah. Yeah, he was very good. Uh, at 8-7, guys, you know, he was sent off to uh, a, uh, I guess an orphanage because he was incorrigible at 8-7. Huh. Yeah. I mean, there, there's yeah. some fascinating stuff on him. Yeah. And in 1920, he was sold to the Boston. Uh, he, was, he was sold uh, to who? To the Yankees. New York Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for... Uh, the owner wanted to have some money, apparently, for a play, a Broadway play that he needed to, to make. That's, that's how it happened. That's it, guys. So I thank you for your time. As always, you are appreciated. And with that, have a safe afternoon, and we'll uh, do it. And I look forward to Hounds Name Tuesday. Yes, sir. We have a good evening, guys. Appreciate, appreciate the phone call, Steve. War Eagle to you. Have a great day, sir. As retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time here in the first hour. More of your phone calls coming up in hour number two as we continue on with this Tuesday edition of Sports Call right after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Two hours 
25 minutes till first pitch. <laughs> Thunder Chickens this evening. 6.30 and 8.30. Only time we split the two with an hour in between. Okay, well, that's good. So what I th- I think there's maybe one less week in the season this year or a couple more games or something. Because, you know, we used to have some nights where we only have one game. Right. And we did have the split sometimes. But we've got six weeks of two games each week. And this is the only one that we are having a, a split time of 6.30 and 8.30. So another bit of a long evening, a little bit of camaraderie in between games. Hopefully yucking it up after first win of the year that would be nice would be nice would be first nice. game is against a new team yeah who is owen two yeah i was looking at i was looking at the league with brooks earlier brooks pulled this up there were only two games in week one that were not run rule games only two in the entire league there was a team that forfeited twice um and then there was a seven run game and then one game, I forget who it was between, had a 12 to 11 game. It was uh, Los, Bom- Los Bomeros won 12 to 11 over Alabama Wildfire. So that was a, a great game. Could Should have been there. Right. And then there was one other single-digit game. Every other game was run rule. Wow. Including this team we're playing tonight who also got run rule twice like we did. So what I'm saying is not competitive so far. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we'll, we'll figure yeah. out. Ways to have competitive games tonight, but there could be a clear chasm between the top half of the league and the bottom half of the league. So, so you're saying there's a chance. There's always a chance. <laughs> the probability is not zero, even if it's close. Uh, but uh, get excited for that. Coming up in a little bit later on this show today, we got Town Name Tuesday, two states to be revealed. They don't really have much to do about anything, just two states. That Brooks has looked up. Brant Daughtry will join us for that. We'll have some fun in here. In hour number three. Before we continue on with the show any further today, though, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays in sports today. Willie Anderson turns 48, former Auburn Tiger. Or Eagle. Anderson is out of Pritchard, Alabama. 251. Where he went to Viger High School, go Wolves. Home of Deshaun Davis. <clears throat> That's right. He was selected 10th overall in the 1996 NFL Draft by the Cincinnati Bengals. Three-time first-team All-Pro and second-team All-Pro once. He's also a four-time Pro Bowler in 2022, which was last year. He was inducted into the Cincinnati Bengals Ring of Honor. Willie Anderson turns 48 today. Andre Johnson turns 42, former wide receiver, selected third overall in the 2003 NFL Draft out of the University of Miami. You. He most famously played for the Houston Texans, where he was a two-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, also led the league in receiving yards twice. Johnson, a member of the Houston Texans Ring of Honor, also a member of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, finished his career with over 1,000 receptions, 14,000 receiving yards and 70 touchdowns. I loved watching him play. I was glad they actually had some success towards the uh, end of his playing days. Andre Johnson, 42 today. Uh, Miami Senior High School is where Andre Johnson went, and this is a weird one. The Stingarees. The, the Stingarees. All right, so it's, I had to look this up. I don't. So it's a Stingray. Okay. But they don't have it spelled or, or they don't have it spelled as Stingray. It's. Sting with a A R E E S, Stingarees, which is actually a type of stingray. Wow. That is native to Australia. Oh. So. 
I don't know. I honestly, I don't know who came up with that with Miami Senior High School. If they meant stingrays and they mistakenly made it stingarees, but stingaree that's, is a type of stingray. That sounds like a, res- a seafood restaurant. I don't want to. There, there's also a high school in Texas that's called the Stingarees. Maybe just some sort of connection with one of the founders to Australia. I don't know. Uh, yeah, probably Miami Senior High School Stingarees. We like to hear it though. That's Chick-fil-A's. The ch- chicken biscuits. I'm just kidding. That's uh, Andre Johnson who turns 42 today. Patrick Peterson turns 33. Quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers was selected fifth overall out of LSU in the 2011 NFL Draft. Three-time first-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, member of the 2010s All-Decades team. Peterson's considered to be a future Hall of Famer. 34 interceptions, 111 pass deflections, and six touchdowns to his name in his NFL career. Uh, Pompano Beach, Florida. He was a five-star athlete, one of the highest-rated recruits uh, his year out of Blanche Eli High School. Go Mighty Tigers. Mighty Tigers. Okay. Wow. So he went from go he went from Mighty Tigers to Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Fighting Tigers. Fighting Tigers. Fighting Tigers. Yeah. Mighty Tigers to the Fighting if Tigers. If you ever go uh Fighting Bengal Tigers. If, yeah, if you go to uh, if you go to Baton Rouge, the PA announcer there will usually just call them Fighting Tigers throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, the Fighting Tigers of LSU. Yep. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Wow. Don't be allergic to the Mighty, Mighty Tigers, Tigers now. And Andy Ashby turns 56 today. Former starting pitcher, most famously with the San Diego Padres. Two-time All-Star with the Padres. Played with five different teams throughout his career. Outside the Padres, he played with the Philadelphia Phillies, Colorado Rockies, Atlanta Braves, and Los Angeles Dodgers. Ashby finished his career with a 4.12 earned run average and over 1,100 strikeouts. Uh, he went to college at Crowder College in Neosha, Missouri. Hold on. I, I got it. Hold on. Hold on. Whoa. <laughs> Crowder? Crowder College. Let's go Rough Riders. There you go. Crowder College Rough Riders. But before that, he was at Park Hill High School in Kansas City, Missouri. Go Trojans. Trojans. That's not a bad list uh, uh, of nicknames. Well, the Stingarees thing is just weird. I, I know, but I like weird. You know, I'd rather have I'd rather have something like that than like three renditions of tigers and Cougar. lions and bears yeah. and all, all that sort of thing. So those are the birthdays in sports today. Willie Anderson, 48. Andre Johnson, 42. Patrick Peterson, 33. And Andy Ashby, 56. We're going to take our first time out of hour number two when we come back a little bit more on the Northwestern situation. Also a little bit of a preview of the All-Star Game tonight. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday. Fun show so far. Talking a little bit now about the Pat Fitzgerald situation. I know we had a couple phone calls in hour number one and got another phone call right now. So we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341-Oakley or toll free one 9 Tiger 9 next up on the show. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you doing today? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. Doing great. Yeah, before we get into the uh, Fitzgerald thing, I- I'd like to mention something about Pat Dye's farm. You know, from what I read about it, it was a really beautiful place. had a main house there and, and a lodge for guests and whatnot to house them and feed them and, a- and another cabin or whatnot. And just a big, beautiful place with a lot of different kind of trees or whatnot. And I think it may have a lake on it. Is that is that true? Yeah, I, I, I went to a wedding out there at his farm, and it's got a couple of big lakes and big area. Um, did a lot of uh, that people did a lot of uh, dove hunting and all out there. So yeah, I mean it's a big plot of land out towards Notasolga. Yeah, it was on the market a while back, but he took it off and gave it to the university. And to be honest with you, I think that probably was the best thing to do is as they gift the university with it, uh, they can preserve it and. And, uh, you know, they said the wildlife uh, students would probably go out there and, uh, from an educational standpoint. And I'm sure there are special events or whatnot that the university might have for a special guest or, or whatnot to probably go out there and do some things. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, as far as recruiting in any sport, whether it be football, anything else, that, that right there could be a nice place to uh, host potential recruits uh, if you bring them in and, uh, and go out there and have dinner or some kind of whatever you got going on out there as far as entertainment. Uh, I think that could be a bell cow. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I, I don't think they would be opposed to doing that. And uh, I think you've always got to have some unique venues and, and opportunities to show uh, recruits not only the stuff on campus, but some of the surrounding areas. So I think that, that would make sense. Yeah, it certainly would. And, you know, the, add a little extra spice to it. If you could get Bo Jackson or Cam Newton or, or some of the more more – high-profile uh, athletes that uh, years past that have played at Auburn, been All-Americans and, and done well in the pros or whatnot, to have them out there uh, from time to time uh, to mingle with these uh, recruits. I tell you, that, Frank Thomas, too, that, that would certainly be a, a, a big uh, advantage for Auburn uh, as far as recruiting goes. But now I want to move on to this uh, Fitzgerald thing. Uh, this hazing, was this hazing done by the players or uh, this was uh, done by the coaches? Uh, so the the hazing the hazing allegations were were the players were doing the hazing, but the, the coaching staff were was aware that it was going on. Now they deny that they were aware it was going on, but there's pictures that kind of disprove that, like a whiteboard in the middle of the locker room with the hazing stuff on written on it. And so you, it's hard to hard to believe that the coaching staff is unaware that something's going on when it's right there in front of them. You know, uh, that sort of thing is nothing new. I mean, I think every football team has some kind of level of hazing or not, and the coaches knew about it. But, you know, mostly when you're doing the hazing, this is usually be the upperclassmen doing the underclassmen, especially your true freshman coming in. That's usually who gets the most of that sort of thing. Uh, after you've been there a year or so, or earn your stripes, if you want to call it, the respect from other players, not going through that scout team or whatnot and the way you carry yourself. Uh, usually uh, after your first year, you don't have any more problems with that sort of thing, usually after two days or whatnot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's something uh, that everybody does. Uh, you know, I'll say uh, in this day and time with all the social media and outlets you got where you can record things and take pictures of things and stuff like that, I mean, that just got you in a brown pickle bag you can't get out of. But years ago when I was playing ball, there was no such thing as anything like that. So if you got beat up or, or – 
or whatever somebody did to you, that's just what you got. I remember uh, my first trip we had uh, on the bus. You know, when you get on the bus to go to, to the movies or whatnot, you're traveling for the first time. Uh, you know, a traveling for always went to the movies. And, uh, you know, your first time riding the bus, they'd ask you nicely to come to the back where they can greet you properly. But uh, for some reason, I was too dumb to go back there, and they had to come get me and took me back there. And, uh, you know, they punch you a little bit and slap you around, but nothing that really hurt you or anything. And the coaches were aware of it. They just turn a blind eye. That's just what you do. But at some point, uh, we got away from that and started having talent shows. Uh, freshmen, All freshmen would do a talent show after the conclusion of tour days to, to get away from that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, it's just part of having a little fun. But, you know, sometimes you can go overboard in this day and time. People are not like they were 30 years ago when I played ball or whatnot. People are totally different from that now. They really go overboard and get outrageous and, and go into an avenue that uh, – can be very dangerous when you're talking about hazing and, and, and uh, you know, abusing somebody or whatnot. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I would think that uh, Fitzgerald never coach again. I'd be almost certain of that. And I would think that uh, any kind of buyout or whatnot, a severance package is probably totally out of the window for him. But I want to ask you all this. Now, if, if uh, players that are left behind, if they feel like they, from an emotional standpoint, a mental standpoint, don't want to be in that program anymore because of that, well, is it, will it be, will the NCAA open the door for everybody to transfer, or who want, or whoever wants to transfer out of that program? Yeah, the the portal opens for special cases like this. We just saw this with West Virginia when uh, when Huggins was uh, resigned slash retired slash slash whatever. Uh, we saw the West Virginia players hop in the portal. I've already seen three or four guys transfer out of there. So there's a special circumstance where the portal can open for a team from a school that a coach is removed. Uh, before the season like this oh wow man i tell you you know with media days coming up for different conferences and in the conclusion of a uh, uh, summer workouts are closing down and getting ready to go into a uh, tour days if you want to call it that in this day and time i mean this is really crazy at a time like this but uh it'll be interesting to see uh exactly what happens with that and who transfers out who tra- who transfers out and whatnot and uh who uh gonna be the interim coach or whoever replaces them to uh having through this season but guys i appreciate it and i'll be talking to y'all and y'all have a good one you too anthony appreciate your phone call that is anthony from auburn joining us on the auburn bank phone line yeah the transfer bit of this i mean look the the current players whether they're trying to save their own butt from hazing or whether they had nothing to do with anything and genuinely love pat fitzgerald and are upset with how this went down uh look we are month and a half from the season. I mean, it is media day season. I think the Big 12 is having their media days this week. We're obviously going to be in Nashville next week for the SEC. Big 10 not long after that. Um, it's almost too late in a sense. Like some schools, like some schools will absolutely want to take some Northwestern players. Uh, I'm not saying that there's no desire there. I know Northwestern's had two bad years. It's still a Power 5 team. They can find other places. But if Northwestern did end up bleeding a lot of players, that would make it very hard yeah. uh, to field any sort of real team uh, in 2023 if they ended up losing 20, 25 players, something from this. Again, I don't know. That's just speculatory on my part. But, again, what is not speculatory is the portal is allowed to be open for them. I'm not sure how sure. long they have and, and that sort of stuff. I don't know the particulars. I just know that they are allowed to transfer in a special situation like this. So that part of it, too, from the on-the-field standpoint is going to be – uh, disturbingly interesting for 
Northwestern, their numbers could get very lean, and it's not like they're going to have time to replace them, nor would people want to be right. replacing them there in just a few weeks. But there's a lot of lot of difficulty with the right. situation. Well, so but now going into the uh, the Pat Fitzgerald situation, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, and you know, and Anthony was talking about some of the things that go on in football, and I, I get that there are things that go on in different clubs and stuff like that, and you know, uh, talent shows. You, you can have talent shows, and there's different things like that. I mean, it is, there's, there's a difference between kind of fun and games and, and kidding around with folks than being sexually abusive. And apparently that's some of the reports that are, that are going on. Um, I, I'm reading the story here. Um, we mentioned yesterday that they had a, a ritual called uh, running where uh, if a freshman player uh, made a mistake, they would be taken to the locker room, held down by the upperclassmen in masks, and then dry humped. And apparently, you know, the, this idea that Pat Fitzgerald had nothing to do with this or didn't know what was going on, uh, apparently he, Pat's, Pat Fitzgerald, according to the, these complaints, is who they call Shrek. And so on this dry, dry erase board, they had what's called Shrek's List. And it would have players on there. And the understanding is that if a player messes up, that Pat, Pat Fitzgerald would go up to that player. Um, it says the former player said Pat Fitzgerald would clap over his head when a player didn't perform well in practice. And others took that as a signal that he supported the hazing because that gesture, known as the Shrek clap, was used by upperclassmen to signal the players deserve a running. So that's where Shrek's list come from. That's what running was. Um, they said there's a uh, obtained photos of a whiteboard with labels "Runs Giving" and "Shrek's List," uh, and it said there were other reported ritual, rituals, including being forced to strip naked for various acts. So that you, when you start dealing with stuff like that, you're starting to deal with getting away from we're just kind of having fun and playing around, you know, a talent show, or just kind of ribbing or doing that kind of thing. You start getting into a little bit more stuff when you've got that, and then you've got a coach, you know, allegedly clapping his hands, which signals these players like, hey, we're going to mess with this guy. So that's where that is. And then before uh, before they fired Pat Fitzgerald, there were several players that came out with uh, uh, racial allegations, racial harassment allegations. Um, I haven't seen more on that um, or other on that, but – I know some of the allegations there were uh, players forced to cut their hair a certain way uh, and dress a certain way while uh, other players were not forced to do that. Uh, and there was apparently an assistant that made uh, disparaging Hispanic jokes towards a player, um, just things like that. So th- that's where we're at. It, it just it, just from the allegations, it sounded a lot more than just kind of having fun and, and cutting up with each other and kind of giving the freshman a hard time, which happens all, all over the place. This kind of took it to a next level, and that's why Pat Fitzgerald's out of a job. Sure. Um, the other part, though, I mean, again, if that's true, you know, that is w- what's going on here. But what's not really being understood from the player's point of view is why that was originally a two-week suspension Nothing new came out, and then they reversed course and fired him. And that's what's also what Fitzgerald's going to argue. Now, if he knew all that stuff, right, and and he's encouraging in a way the that hazing, then that is certainly why he's getting fired. But again, 
as Steve was alluding to in the phone call earlier, if there is a, the flip side of this, if there's an investigator that can't prove that this actually was going on, right? you're just getting into a war of words and allegations at this point. And I'm not trying to belittle the possibility that this happened because these are still very descriptive things that I don't right. think you just cook up for the hell of it. When you have a picture right. also. There's photo um, evidence. Right. So I don't think that there's this uh, baseless or fabricated. I don't know Fitzgerald's true involvement. Um, but there's a real argument on that side of things too which is going to be played out probably rather ugly uh, in the Northwestern sphere about if they can't ever really prove what Fitzgerald did and did not know, that there's going to be a litigation there and there's going to be more mass confusion there. And again, the context of Fitzgerald's side of this is that, you know, I, I saw... Uh, on social media and stuff yesterday, you know, people saying that, you know, this is over a guy that won one game last year. Right. Th that's not that's not really relevant here. That's not why Pitch, uh, Pat Fitzgerald is is the head coach of Northwestern. That's not why he's important to Northwestern and their people. It's the 17 years that he spent at Northwestern. It's the 110 and 101 record that he's compiled. It's the fact that he played there. He was an assistant there and then became the head man there at a school that is over 100 games below 500 in its history. That man in 17 seasons was above 500 and went to multiple Big Ten title games. So I think people are looking way too short-sighted of Oh, you know, this guy won one game last year. Well, that, that leaves out the complete context of what Pat Fitzgerald did at Northwestern and why he means so much to those people. And, of course, I'm not defending, oh, oh because he won all these games, therefore, you know, you, you've, you've got to protect him at all costs. No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this is, so, this is a difficult thing right. for that administration, for the fans, people that were – knew him well because when you coach somewhere somewhere 17 years you have a lot of deep relationships in a place uh and look at the end of the day good people do bad things sometimes and that is a part of it it doesn't in my view just because you do something bad does not make you perennially bad or a bad person but right. i mean this is something that if he knew about all this you gotta you gotta make a a a big and thoughtful decision about it, and I think that they have not made a very thoughtful process of this because they almost seemed like they fell to the public peer pressure. Where, yeah, maybe the original ruling should have been that he was fired. Maybe maybe they should have, based off what they had already fired him. But if they did an investigation, they determined it was a suspension. They then do not present new evidence, but then say, nope, you're fired now. That doesn't look like you handled that well at that level either. Right. Well, and so uh, in this story, um, you know, quoting from uh, Northwestern President Michael Schill, um, he says that he, quote, may have erred in weighing the appropriate sanction for Coach Fitzgerald. And uh, basically what he says is uh, – in his quote is that I focused too much on what the report concluded. He didn't know and not enough on what he should have known. 
And so that's where the firing comes from. It's like, you know, okay, you say you didn't know this, so but we're going to suspend you. But when you kind of look at the ultimate things, like you should have known that this was going on. You, you're in charge of this program. You're in charge of what goes on here. And if this is going on within the walls of your program, you should know what is going on and handle it. And you haven't. And so, therefore, you're fired. Now, I also wonder, because I mentioned the other allegations that involved uh, the uh, uh, racial harassment and uh, things like that, that that firing came shortly after that came out. And so I also wonder, you know, that's where the public pressure comes in is, you know, is this going to turn into a snowball? Because now the hazing stuff was like one player, but then it was corroborated by some other players now you had a lot of the players saying no it's exaggerated and that you know they backed it up but then you've had now multiple players come out uh who are backing each other up on the racial harassment and then they fire him almost immediate and to me feels like it was them stopping the snowball it's like this is about to get out of control and we've got to end it right now because it's it's going to keep coming these players are going to say this and then more is going to happen more is going to happen and we just got to end it and that's the unfortunate thing in in the world of coaching like that is i mean if you if you get sideways with a few i mean it, the, something like that can turn into a, a massive thing something very small can can you know a, a molehill can turn into a mountain very very quickly for you and so uh I, that's where i think northwestern went ahead and just pulled the plug on it because they don't want it to fester into something even more than what it is now and maybe i look at it too legally you know because this is not a criminal investigation you know this is not really a legal deal now if there's a lawsuit and stuff that makes it legal but i guess my i don't know if it's an error of my ways i don't know i just how i'm viewing things is i i look at it from more of a due process type of thing and you know i want some sort of some sort of cooperation. I mean, look, I know that some other players are backing up, so that starts to become something. But I need to dig into more what Steve was talking about, being an independent investigator, saying that there was not a lot of proof of, of knowledge and that sort of thing. Now, again, you can have different opinions on what he should and shouldn't know. And if that's what the AD is going with, you know, I don't necessarily agree. The president. Uh, the president. If that's what he's going with, you know, then then now that even opens up a, a, a different can of worms on what, again, a coach should and should not know. Um, but I would still prefer to focus on what you can and cannot prove and, and the facts and things that are cannot be uh, fully proven. But again, that's more of a legal process. And so this is still where they have the right to do what they want to do. But at the same time, again, that's just the way I've always viewed it is I want some proof of this stuff before I, I make this decision. And I think this culture, because this is so can be so sudden that everything happens. Like you want you want everything now. Like no one has any patience. Uh, you don't wait for a coach as long as you used to. Uh, there's And there's other reasons to it, money on the line, that sort of thing. Um, but you want action now, and you want this now. And I think that cooler heads prevailing is really always the way to go. I mean, in the vast majority of situations. And it could very well be that you go a few weeks in this and more and more and more comes out, as you said, stop the snowball. Well, I want to see if it snowballs. Because that's going to make me feel better about 
making the right decision. I don't want to make a decision based off of what people online or, or in other parties outside of the situation thing. I want to know what people all the way inside the situation think. Right. And all those people. And I think that that's the danger in listening to the public opinion is, sure. well, how's the public know more than what you're supposed to know inside? Now, the check and balance of that is, like, you can't just run your own ship and and that sort of thing. You have to be held accountable in some way. But, again, I don't like uh, – I don't like when when there are serious things on the line and there's not a, a a heaping of an investigation. There's not a very detailed look at it. It's just like, oh, that sounds kind of bad. Oh, yeah, no, that sounds really bad. All right, that's it, that sort of thing. Um, I'll give you an example. Now, look, more times than not, okay, I'm giving you a minority example here. I'm not going to be giving you something that happens all the time. But the cautionary tale to this is what happened with the Bills punter a few months ago. What was it, Matt Ariza or something yeah. like that? Where he was accused of of rape at BYU. Mm-hmm. And after a few weeks went by, they found video of him not being anywhere near what happened. And he had absolutely nothing to do with it. He lost his job with the Bills, still unsigned, because of an accusation that was real but had misidentified him. And, look, these are still – different situations to a degree but i'm just saying that you do serious things and you have serious allegations you got to provide something and look the picture of the whiteboard is something can you prove what assistants and what head coaches and that sort of thing knew what it gets harder to do that and it's still well within northwestern's right to to move on from that situation but again that's why i just go back to maybe i'm thinking at this too legally and too detailed because I just like to err on the side of knowledge and information and facts rather than oh, this the perception of what something is. And uh, now that perception is going to end up being a legal case if, uh, because he's already lawyering up. And then yeah. the stuff will come out, and it'll come out in favor of somebody, and then they'll looks like there'll be winners and losers and all that when it's like in reality really everyone is losing yeah. in this situation. Well, and so, and then uh, also, I guess part of this is kind of understanding the timeline of events. Um, so, you know, Northwestern announced the two-week suspension uh, after the an investigation uncovered the hazing in the football program, and so then he was uh, suspended for two uh, two weeks, two-week suspension. Then it was, av- uh, and he of course claimed that he had no knowledge of anything that was going on. So that was the two-week suspension. It was after that that the Daily Northwestern, the student newspaper, detailed the alleged hazing, citing accounts from anonymous player and corroborated by another unnamed player. That described systemic culture of hazing under Fitzgerald that involved coerced sexual acts and physical punishment. Uh, the player claimed upper class was single. Okay, well, we talked about the running. Uh, but that also directly implicated uh, Fitzgerald uh, as having knowledge of it, whereas he had said he had no knowledge of it suspended and then the newspaper comes out with all the evidence showing no you did have knowledge of it so then it's either either you lied about it or you should have known about it or something because the preponderance of evidence of what was given there kind of points in the directions of you should have known what was going on and so then that's why they go with the firing after that at least that if you just kind of follow that timeline that's what it's looking at so i it's it's a rough deal um 
it's it's definitely a rough deal as far as that goes and uh we'll see what happens we'll see where northwestern goes we'll see what happens with fitzgerald and where he ends up or if he ends up somewhere so here's here's my my take on it you're if you're a head football coach you have the responsibility to know everything that goes on in your program now do, do you always know everything that's going on in your program no, there's some things that go on that, you know, player, players get into some things where you have no idea it's happened, but it's your, it's, it's your job when you find out to, to handle it because you're the, you are basically the CEO of a company. Um, you're in charge of a multi-million dollar uh, venture that is, you know, making your university money, making these, you know, several TV co- companies money. You're making millions of dollars to do this. So you need to know everything that goes on into in your program at some point. I mean, you, you ideally you'd like to know everything that's going on at all times. You can't, uh, you, you can't be everywhere at once. P- you know, people don't say everything. So you've got to know what's going on in your, in your, in, in your program. And so if, if he didn't know it, it warrants a at, at minimum a suspension because this it's you know everything that you've read Tom everything that we you know we've we've talked about not good and it's not you know it, it it's it's it, it's not good not good optics for the university everything like you you are supposed to be you are going to be held responsible for whatever happens there um, if you did know that this was going on then it, it's justifiable that you were you were fired. Now I don't. I, I want the, what I really want to know is this opens up another can. Is um, there was an you you said there was an investigation. That's what mm-hmm. right, Tom. Yeah. And they said you're you know we we've uncovered this, but we're you know the investigation said that Fitzgerald didn't know. You suspend him. Well, they they also did not have a lot of cooperating evidence to it. It was like some, but not a overwhelming, but. You know, to I guess to try to placate folks, we'll do a two week suspension because, yeah, we uncovered there's been some hazing going on, but it's not a, it's not a big deal. It's you know, suspended and then more came out. Now, now, who does it say that article? Who did the investigation? Was it the university themselves, or they hired an outside firm? Or uh, it was an outside firm, I believe. Okay. Because uh, I was going to say, if if you got this back and you said. You know, you, you said, oh, the investigation said, you know, Fitzgerald didn't know anything about it, but we're going to suspend him for two weeks. All right, fine. But if you knew that that was not true and now the student newspapers come out and said it, there needs to be more going up the ladder in the university and saying, why didn't, you know, if if the student newspaper, there needs to be more questions asked that how did the student newspaper get this and we and you're this. Right firm you allegedly you know probably paid a good chunk of change to to do this investigation didn't uncover any of this all right so uh so this is the two-week suspension investigation uncovered hazing in this football program uh university initially became aware of allegations from a anonymized so anonymous email in november 2022 that prompted northwestern to hire outside law firm uh errant fox schiff and lead investigator maggie hickey to conduct the investigation uh, the university executive summary based on Hickey's findings concluded hazing claims, quote, were largely supported by the evidence gathered during the investigation, including separate and consistent first-person accounts from current and former players. Uh, Hickey was unable to point to any specific misconduct by an individual player or coach and could not determine whether any specific individual had knowledge of the hazing. As such, she'll suspend Fitzgerald for two weeks, effective immediately placing an independent monitor on the football locker room. 
So that's what happened with the suspension. Well, then somebody goes to the new the student newspaper and is like, "Hey, we have pictures. We have this. This is the dirty down and dirty details. Those come out, and then you have more players coming out with the um, uh, the daily released another report detailing systemic racism under Fitzgerald earlier in his tenure. Uh, the report cited three players on the football team in the late 2000s, including Roman Diaz Jr. and offensive lineman. Two other anonymous players, both of whom are black, claim Fitzgerald's coaching staff enabled racism towards non-white players on the team. Um, uh, also corroborated claims of hazing as detailed. Um, and then Schill later announced his decision to fire Fitzgerald. So it is like more. It's like it felt like more and more evidence and corroborated evidence were coming out, and then you started getting into the racial details that were backed up by other players, and they're like, whoa. We well, gotta, we gotta be done with this. But my, my, my question still stands: Why didn't the investigation uncover any of this before? Why did it take? Oh, the investigation's done, and now they're like, "Oh, great, now here's." Are they not good at their job? Yeah, <laughs> why, I want there, like. there needs to be more accountability there. Where you, you've hired this outside firm, which is good. You should, like, if you're a university, you should probably go with the with a neutral party to not investigate yeah, your own stuff. Right, exactly. Um, but why was the? Why was it? How how did it get this mishandled? Where you conclude they conclude this investigation, they hand you every this is like everything. This is all we could do. This is everything we could do. You're like, all right, this is enough for a two week suspension. Two days later, you know, uh, not the full time, but you know, say two days later, the student newspaper publishes an article. They're wrong. This is everything that's there. And now you're like, well, we have to get rid of somebody. Why didn't well, your well, investigation uncover this? Well, and, and the only thing the only thing that I can think of is. When you know that investigation is going on, then you hide stuff and you you make sure that you know. And, and this sounds really down and de- just really dirty and crooked, but I mean, I, it's let's just be honest. It's the way it is. It, it's the way things happen in society, and especially when you get into football programs or just athletic programs like that. Investigations going on. We need to talk to somebody. We're going to make sure that they're talking to the right people that are going to say the right things. And so, yeah, I mean, you hide, you cover up, you, you get things swept under the rug and downplay and, and try to keep that, you know, the really big details away from that investigator and, and let that play out. But then you have anonymous players go to another source and go, hey, by the way, while, while they're dilly-dallying around and just kind of sugarcoating what was actually going on, here's what was really going on that this investigation was not able to uncover because nobody would come forward and explain it to them. I guess that's just my assumption. It's just a bad situation all it, around. I yep. mean, it, it's if if you know you you go through this, if everything is true, Fitzgerald probably deserved to to lose his job. But the fact that he is fighting it so hard, you you've got I'm 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 you know I I enjoy. Um, being the neutral party, Ryan knows this. I, I 1,000% sit on the fence. Um, Big Switzerland guy. I, I I am. I love I love the Swiss, the watches, the the, the chocolate, the cheese, um, the women. Whoa, <laughs> whoa. Um, but oh, excuse me, that's Norway. Oh, or Sweden, or Sweden. Um, I don't but, know what Swiss what Swiss girls look like. I couldn't uh, tell you. Uh, I've never been. Um, and I may never go. I may yeah. go without. And so, it it's it's a it's a situation that you you want to know. Like you you want if if to start the situation, you say you know how it should you know you probably think should be handled. 
is there's investigation. We're going to suspend this person until the investigation is done. And you suspend them, wait till everything comes out. Then you say, all right, this uncovered this, you're fired. Here's another, you know, or here's more suspension or there's nothing here. Bring you back. I, it, it just sounds like the investigation was a little mishandled. And the, the fact that you uh, and the fact that you've got people going after the investigation is done to a, to the student newspaper, giving them this information. It sounds like that the, the investigation was mishandled. And do you need to look in if you're Northwestern, you need to look into why and what what went on there. Got a couple minutes left here in this hour. 334-887-34. Nuclear toll-free, one nine tiger 9 Let's squeeze in one more phone call on the Auburn Bank phone line. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing good, guys. How about you? Doing well. Man, I don't envy y'all playing softball out there in that that's Ooh, crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. For, fortunately, uh, yeah. fortunately, we got some brand new jerseys that are a lot lighter in material than what we'd been wearing, so it should help us out. Man, so it'll help us win. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say shirts and skins about the only games I'm going to play this, <laughs> this time of year. But, but hey, um, uh, man, what do you reckon would have happened to Vince Lombardi if there was a cell phone? You get, I mean, I'm not trying to make light of it. If somebody's being sexually harassed or sexually assaulted or something, that's not a good thing. But, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can do and can't do or could do but can't do anymore. You know, I remember getting my head shaved as a freshman playing on a varsity sport, you know. But then again, it was kind of cool. I was like one of three freshmen that had a shaved head, right? So... I mean, but I know this is taking it further than that. But I really don't think this will mess up his career that bad. I mean, uh, well, depending on if it's sexual assault or something like that, you know, because then that'll be, what, going down the road of Sandusky or something like that, right? Right. Yeah, he's he's well, late 40s. So. It's not even that bad. It, it no. couldn't be that bad. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think so. Yeah, no. Yeah, okay. But, um, heck, he's... He may be Auburn's coaching for you. You never can tell. Well, I certainly hope not. I I want this one to work out and be clean and all that stuff first. Yeah. Real quick, and and it's so weird because then I was seeing about what um, Alvin Kamir, right? He he was on video. He beat up this guy. You know, they all beat him up and stuff. And he admitted to it. He sent out an apology, but okay, it's all better now, right? Because he makes a payment, you know? And that happens a lot of times with the domestic violence and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of, you know, it seems like there's no news. seems like there's a lot of bad news, you know. And, of course, that's what makes news, I guess. But um, one, and one thing, real quick, I, man, I couldn't sleep over it. SMU got the death penalty for football. Right. And what they're doing now, they would have been – perfectly legal and they destroyed their whole football program and I, that, that, that's just crazy uh, well so the the one thing i'll say is is this i mean what what North, what's what southern Med, what smu was doing back then in those days is still technically supposed to be illegal now you're you're not supposed to be doing that for the players uh 
So, you know, because they were not signing NIL money. I mean, the university was literally paying for Eric Dickerson's gold-plated Trans Am and stuff like that. And I'd also, SMU had also been uh, warned time and time again to quit doing what they were doing. They had been punished, and they kept on doing it. And so, you know, it's a little bit different than the NIL situation right now. Well, I don't see that it is. It's just that nobody, I mean, these these kids have got money, like you say, you're saying because it's supposed to, because the NIL is not supposed to be given until the students get on campus? Well, so the NIL is, it's, the, the NIL, at least in the way that it's written and the way it's supposed to be going and whether, you can argue whether this is what happens or not. It, the NIL is not supposed to be used to entice a player to that university. That's not what it was designed yeah. to be done. Obviously, that's happening. I wish the NCAA could figure out a way to to prevent that. Yeah. I don't know if they can. Yeah. But the yeah the NIL is just the NIL was supposed to be put in place to help the players once they get on campus, not to entice a player. It's not supposed to right. be, hey, player X, we're going to give you five million dollars if you sign with Ohio State. Right. It, that's not how that's yeah. supposed to work. I know, but it just it just seems, I mean, I I understand that, okay, Dickerson got his money, okay? He would have waited. If you told him, oh, we'll give you $5 million once you get on campus, he'd have waited. He'd have still went to SMU and it'd been legal, you know? And SMU wouldn't have been, I mean, messed up their whole football program, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but nowadays, you know, it's, You've got to do it to compete. So, uh, man, that's just a little rant. But uh, um, I just thought I'd call in real quick because nothing, everything's been, it's been a bad day and it just seems like more bad news gets piled on all the time. I'm going to watch Andy Griffith real quick and I'll get over it. Okay? That, that sounds or, like a good idea. Or Town, town Name Tuesday will get e- me over the hump. Okay? Even a better idea. <laughs> yes, sir. You all have a great day and I'll talk to you all later. You too, Jeff. We appreciate your phone call. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Here, the music. We are out of time for hour number two, as we had a lot to talk about in that hour. But, of course, appreciate uh, the phone calls that we got within that hour. Coming up after the break, will be a little bit of a long one, but after the break, we'll have Town Name Tuesday. Stick around. Sports Call continues after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childers, Tom Peavy, and now joining us, Brent Daughtry. 
as we're about to have a little fun with Town Name Tuesday. If you've missed anything up until this point, or if you're about to have to uh, leave the car, make a nice dinner, do something else, go out for a, a jog. I'd like a nice dinner. Would you like a nice jog? I'll tell you what's going to get me in trouble is our hour is our hour break. It's, they have a concession stand open down there now. Yeah. That's going to get me in trouble. So if you mm. miss anything that's about to come up, go check it out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. Brooks plans on getting one in between games. Mm. And if you ever miss Sports Call Live or want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola taste the feeling so do we know tonight are we going to have some of our players that were not here the last time oh we only had like one player maybe two missing from last time i thought we had some certain players that played a couple years ago that were supposed to be part of the team yeah that's just kind of fake i mean that's there may have been some embellishment there yeah thanks a lot jj no but we all uh, excited there yeah no we i know we've got one player out tonight that was here last week in the form of noah um, ah. and uh, we should be gaining one player that we did not have last week. So okay. still got 12, 13 people out there for sure. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, no, I know who you're alluding to and no, I don't think those two will be, will be joining us, but uh, Thunder Chicken's coming up in an hour and a half for us and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, we start to shift gears here in hour number three. As it's time for a little fun. This time I haven't done it in a few weeks. It is a Tuesday. It's time for a Town Name Tuesday. First, JJ talked a little too much about Asheville. Now Brooks proclaims his love for the 251. It's time to look at some of the other fun towns in the country. It's Town Name Tuesday. It's time for Town Name Tuesday. And uh, finally revealing the states now. We've got Florida. And we've got Virginia. Ooh. So we got two states here on the the East Coast. I think we've done Florida a time or so, maybe a few years ago. It's been a long time. I don't remember anything particular. And I don't know if we've ever done Virginia. So two states at random here that just are on this part of the country. And that's about it. Just that random. So, Brooks? Yeah. We ready for this? Uh, always. Let's do it. All right. We'll start things off. It's, uh, it's it's warm outside, so it you know in the summer heat you may want to cool off. Maybe you'll head over to Chillhowie. Excuse me, Chillhowie. Chillhowie. C H I L H O W I E. Chillhowie. 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 Before Chilawi, I type it in, so Florida. I can start researching. Right. I'm saying Florida. Chilawi, Florida. Spell that again. Or Chilawi, Virginia. C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilawi or Chilawi. That seems like like a Florida to me. Does it? It definitely seems like a Florida name. I'm caught in the middle. To be different, I'm going to go Virginia. But I I honestly have no idea. Chilawi. Originally a stagecoach stop through the mountains of southwest Virginia. Oh, no. Chilawi is now the gateway to the Mount Rogers Recreational Area. Wow. Name comes from a Cherokee word meaning "valley of many deer." <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, we're off to a hot start, boys. I I just figured there'd be something. Now, maybe again, my flawed logic. I was thinking, oh, there'll be something like 
oh, this is the the chill part of Florida. Like this yeah. is not as hot, but that's just not true. There's ne- never a, a well, non hot hot part of Florida. Chilawi also sounds very Native American, and you get a lot of yeah. Native American named yeah. towns in Florida, and so that's why I went Florida. Is it, that very Native American feel to it? Was it uh, Seminoleville? Yeah. Uh, population uh, estimated 2020 of 1,698. Area code 276. Sure. Uh, quite a few notable people from Chilawi. Oh. Samuel Stallnacher, uh, 1715 to 1769, built the first cabin in the area in 1749. Chris Marion of the Little River Band. Eric McClure, NASCAR driver. Oh, yeah. yeah. The nature boy, Buddy Landell, a professional wrestler. Andrew Nick Cullop, MLB not, pitcher from 1913 thought, to 1923. Not, not my nature boy. Yeah, not yeah. my nature boy. Yeah, not, 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 not nature not. boy Ric Flair, but yeah. the nature boy, Buddy Landell. And then uh, NASCAR driver, Cody McMahon. I don't so know that a couple one. NASCAR. Yeah, people. I knew Eric McClure. I uh, was I was concerned when you said notable people, and then started out with someone who built the first cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so that's a that's probably that's like the longest list of notable people right. in the town that we've especially had. for a, a town that size. It's yeah. eleven hundred people population of. I mean, that's handful of people that are well known that's uh that's a great list. It's almost in it's right there, very near North Carolina and Virginia border. Okay, so very South Virginia. Chilawi, Virginia. All, All right. right. 0 for 1 for everybody. Yep. Hot start. No, Brant said oh, Virginia. Brand, I, Brand, said, Brand, I said Virginia. Brand, Virginia. Yeah. yeah. Yay. Don't try to rope Brand in with you guys. I'm, I'm smart. All right. Wouldn't go that far, but okay. <laughs> Most people wouldn't. <laughs> After you're done chilling in Chilawi, the Valley of Many nice. Deer, maybe you'll want uh, some breakfast. You head over to Two Egg. Two egg. Two egg. That is two words. T W O E G G. Two egg. Oh, two egg. Two Virginia. Egg. Two I'm, egg. Florida. Two I'm. Egg I'm. Florida. I'm gonna go Virginia on it. Yeah, I'm I thinking this. I, it's just I, such a Virginia name. I'm feeling more Virginia on this one as well. Two egg. I might guess ten straight Floridas today. I might. I'm gonna guess Florida. Again. Florida's such a weird place. Like it could be anything. I'm gonna go Florida. Well, how how's a egg served? Uh, Over easy, yeah. Scrambled. Scrambled. I was gonna say sunny side up in the Sunshine State. Two uh, egg Florida, Florida. Okay. an unincorporated community in Jackson County, Florida, said to have gotten its name during the Great Depression oh. when residents didn't have money but could often trade for two eggs. <laughs> uh, so they uh, they did probably. Okay, I'm trying. I'm stumbling over myself here, but basically, they would not want to do the egg sunny side up because it was a depression era deal. However, that was very it was currency basically to have two eggs. That's yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that not that someone would be named General Two Egg, but but <laughs> I'm glad that so far we've got actual reasons and not oh yeah, so it's not named after this guy. Yeah, it was, some guy stopped here. His name was Bob Wickman, so he named it Wicksburg. Yeah, something like that. I, those are the least fun. So I like that. So two I don't egg, like the Great Depression. Two Egg <laughs> Florida, but. So I, I'll say there's not a whole lot of information here on Two Egg because it is just like a little unincorporated community. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I mean it, it's it's tiny. Uh, I'm trying to think of something around here that it would probably be 
sort of like uh, what's that? There's a little town as you're going towards real town. It's uh, I forget what it's called over there, but anyway, Two Egg is within driving distance of where we're at because it is literally like right on the part of Florida that is right in between the border of Alabama and Georgia. It's near Mariana, Florida. Uh, mm. So I mean, it's it, right it's just it's just uh, two states nearby. Let's and see, two eggs and. We hope the thunder chickens don't uh, lay two, two eggs, eggs tonight. tonight. There you go. <laughs> it, it's not. It's, it's actually. It's not very far from Dothan. Okay. Yeah. It's not the very far grass? from Dothan. Yeah. It's not very far from Dothan at all. Big fans it's, of the wire. Yeah. It's just uh, a little bit uh, northeast of Mariana, Florida. So, yeah, right there on the border of Georgia and Alabama, in, in two Northern egg Florida. Florida. Two egg Florida. All right. Let's see what else. Uh, who else can get on the board? All right. Now. Usually, with breakfast, two eggs. Sausage. You eat, you know, you have something like sausage or you, you, bacon. you know, bacon as a side or hash maybe brown for hash browns. Grits. It, you go potatoes. Well, that's Boise, Idaho. Maybe with these two eggs, you could have a side of fries. Whoa. Fries. F R I E S. Fries. Fries, yeah. Virginia or fries, Florida. Fries, Florida. See, I've just. It, mm, more. Okay, nothing helps me in this game to be clear. But <laughs> yeah, the first time I tried to figure out logic to this, I, I would use logic like, okay, this, you know, maybe they care about this substance, or maybe they would speak this way, or that sort of thing. And then that really didn't work, and so I, I now say it out loud too. And every single time, I'm just like, you know what? That sounds good with both. Yes, I would like some fries with that, basically. Um, I'll go Virginia this time. Fries, Virginia. I haven't gone. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say Virginia for no really other reason than I. Sure. Brand's like trying to read Brooks's facial expression. No, it, no, no, no. We're we're having an entirely yeah, separate interaction. Very separate interactions oh. going on. <laughs> Find out more on Twitter.com. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? I'm seeing some of that. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, back at the task. What was your yeah yeah task to the show? Uh, I, we fries, got two, two Virginias. Fries, two Virginias. Fries seems like a Florida thing to me. I'm going Florida. Maybe right. it's next to two egg. Fries, F R I E S. You can eat those back in Virginia, ah. going back north. It's actually pronounced freeze. Free- yes, freeze. freeze. Okay, but you know, you look at it, maybe you get a little hungry. Located in, the, in uh, on the New River in Grayson County, Fries Freeze hosts annual bluegrass and fiddlers events as part of the Virginia Heritage Music Trail. So it hosts what events? I'm, I'm Bluegrass sorry. and Fiddlers events. Oh, that sounds awesome. Okay, uh, is named named after prominent cotton mill owner Francis Henry Freeze. F R I E S. There it is. There's if the only he was after. a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm a Doctor Freeze. There's the name after. There you go. Batman uh, villain. Popular, Mr. Freeze is the Batman villain. Population oh, so, estimated in 2021. So he, was he was a doctor. 451. Area code 276. So yeah, all right. You have actually, you add eighty seven thousand, you get Jordan Hare Stadium to I that. Don't Mister Freeze the villain in Batman? Victor Freeze. His name was spelled the same way. F R E E Z. F F R I E S. Ah, the the man, not the villain, but the the man. You know, before he was. I, the villain. What's going on? I don't. Are you, we're are talking about Batman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> any famous people out of Freeze? 
No, no famous people, but I can tell you, it, it, it sounds like that this is in the area near Mount Airy, North Carolina. Okay, so, so it's another that, one it's on, the border. on the border. Uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina is very famous because that's what the town that uh, uh, Mayberry was based mm-hmm. off of for the Andy Griffith show. So, uh, we play the music right now. It, Look at that, full circle. There you go. Uh, yes, yeah, although the entire Appalachian region known for its bluegrass and traditional or old-timey music and musicians, the region around Mount Airy, North Carolina is one of the few areas of the U.S. where the music has remained prominent even among young people, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. So, yeah. So that's right. free. So freeze, we got two freeze. Virginias and one Florida so far. Two Virginias, one Florida. All right. All right. Everyone's on the board. Everyone's got at least one now. That's right. Moving on, let's go to... We're, we're done with the, the food for a minute. Okay. Let's go to Bumpus. 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 B-U-M-P-A-S-S. Bumpus. I feel like, I feel oh. like I've heard of Bumpus. this town before, I, but I... I'm seeing Florida, and for, for some reason, I'm thinking I remember there being a Bumpus, Florida. Yeah. Bumpus. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm also Every time go I think about it, I, it I think about It sounds very the, mountain, hillbilly, Virginia. Yeah. Bumpus. Bumpuses. Christmas it it would feel Christmas better story. if That's it was I think West about. Bumpus. Of course, that was Ohio. The, the, Bumpus, the Bumpus sounds. Is, the Bumpus sounds, but... That would feel more appropriate if it was West Virginia than Virginia, I feel like. Um, that sa- this, It sounds familiar to me, too. Uh, I'm hoping that at some point we'll stumble upon one that I might have driven through. But I'm going to say Florida. I, to my knowledge, I've not driven through it, but I'm going to say Florida. Florida? Tom, what was your? I, I'm I'm still saying Florida. Florida? Yeah, I think we we all went Florida. I Florida. think. Bumpus community in Louisa County, Virginia. Oh wow! Got its name We're from terrible. got its name from the Bumpus family, prominent citizens there in the 1800s. Their name comes from the much more elegant French bon pas, two words bon pas, meaning good <laughs> is that, step. Is that more elegant? Well, if you're French, I mean it's not. I bon wouldn't apart. necessarily say elegance. Bon at least eight percent more elegance. It was B U M P A S S. Yep. Bumpass. Bump. Yeah. Bumpus. That's Bumpus. the one. That's the one. Community name for John T. Bumpus, first postmaster in the area. Oh, a prominent I'd citizen. Say. Uh, I'd say. Yeah. I don't have a lot of info. Its elevation is three hundred and twenty-eight feet. Zip code is two three zero two four. I don't have an area code. I don't have famous people. No. What was the population? Is it, is it, is it, I don't is the town a, still. I don't have like. A is pop- it still there? I don't have a population. It's just a bump in the map at this point. Yeah, it's a bump Bumpus. ass in the map. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just I. Again, it doesn't do it for me when you just name oh these people here a while. We'll name it after them. <laughs> you know, is the Garden District I, the French Quarter going to name uh, themselves the Ryan Quarter because he lived there for seven years? Ryan, I'm just asking for a friend. Ryanville. Ryanville. Yeah. I mean, just asking. It's a, lo- a lot of money went into that place. All I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Think, well, you think the least they could do is name right. the place after? Them. Yeah. No you kidding. Know, no kidding. Rent, just ungrateful. <laughs> uh, all right. What else we all got? Right, moving on. That last place was uh, Bumpus was kind of nice, but you know what else so is nice. nicer? Niceville. Nice. Oh. Not Niceville. Florida. Florida. Yeah, Florida. 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 Got it. Florida. Give wow. me that point. There might be a Niceville, Virginia. There's definitely a Niceville. Give me that point. Give me that point. Niceville. All the point. Is, in fact, in Florida. Yeah, okay. Fun fact is that an hour from the Dale of Robertsdale, you can get okay. there within, within a. So in the panhandle. In the panhandle. Niceville used to be named Boggy. 
Yeah. Excuse me? Now it's the home of the annual Boggy Bayou Mullet Festival. Boggy, like B-O-G-G-Y? Yep. Used to be named Boggy. Now Boggy. it's Niceville. Yeah. I, I've Niceville's heard of the Mullet Festival. The Mullet Festival is not talking about the hairstyle. It's talking about the fish, the right? The fish, that's yep. right. Yeah. So, uh, we got to have a real population mm-hmm. of Niceville. That's not... Too small. Yeah, that's a big yeah. down. So, uh, 2010 census population for Niceville was 12,749. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Uh, so, I would have just been very near Niceville because uh, it is in Okaloosa County, Florida. It's near Eglin Air Force Base. So, anybody mm-hmm. that's ever been to Destin, Fort Walton, they know about Eglin Air Force Base. Niceville is right there. It is part of the Fort Walton Beach, Crestview, Destin Metropolitan Statistical Area. <laughs> <sighs> Used to be named Boggy. Boggy. <laughs> it would have been po- population as of 2020 was 15,772. So we went up. Went up. Area code of 850. Let's see if we I got mean, some. Let's see if we got some. Uh, There's some athletes from oh, Niceville. Man, here we go. Here we go. Say, when you change your name from Boggy to Niceville, people are more apt to move there. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Uh, there's actually, I see a couple of famous people from there. All right. So Anna Banks, author, uh, Lewis Mentory, Army General, uh, Jason Craig, comic book artist, Roy Finch, football player, Shin Young Jun, South Korean diplomat, military sure. Jarek Johnson, football player, Chris Judd, the actor, Jimmy Nelson, baseball player, Pam Oliver, the sportscaster, oh. Julian Pittman, football player, Alan Richson, actor, Tony Sip, baseball player, Toby yeah. Turner, YouTuber known as Tabuscus. Conrad, Rick Amora, actor, and then Matt Gates, U.S. Representative of Florida's 1st Congressional oh, District. Yeah. yeah. Is from nice, Niceville. So. Good stuff. The there. boggy fit. Did Who you was the YouTuber that I just said I was a fan of? Toby uh, Turner? Tabuscus? Oh, yeah. To, yeah Tabuscus. Yeah. Big He's Tabuscus. from Niceville. Interesting. Oh, you know who that is? I, I, I'm oh, familiar I with Toby Turner. I was busy. Re- did you haven't, he, haven't watched him in a very long yeah, time. But he kind of went, I went the rails the a little bit. Yeah, well, he, oh, got, he got in too? some trouble. Did, did you mention the Boggy Fest? I was trying to research. Yeah, the Boggy Bayou Mullet Festival. Okay, okay, you did say that. I thought I, I, thought I heard you say it. I was busy reading fish and trying to here. research. So There we go. How many? Do, do you know how many fish attend that? I'm just well, <laughs> hopefully a lot. Many, I want to say how many. How, you want to do, they, the, do you they have the mullet toss? Don't they? This is coming no, back to me. On. They have a mullet toss right wrong, here. They throw wrong, the fish. Wrong, wrong mullet festival. <laughs> okay, oh, that's that's different. it's in the same area though. That's the at the Floribama. That's the Floribama. Okay, okay. Oh, that's oh, the nice. mullet okay. toss. Okay, the mullet festival is different. Get it right. How how are they different? I don't know. I saw a lot of mullet when I was in Florida. Like, they, I mean, there were like swarms of mullet. Fish are I mean, there were swarms of mullet around the pier that I was fishing on. It was crazy. I didn't even know those were mullet. I was like, what is these, what are these weird, what what are these weird fish sticking back. their face up out of the water? And <laughs> those were mullet. So, they anyway. like to leap. They like to jump. Yeah, oh, they were man. jumping. I still hope somebody's like is, has not caught on that it's a fish, even though we said it twice. I hope someone's just thinking that we're referring to gobs the, of hair. No, Alabama just, fans. Just dudes, just oh, dudes with the hairstyle <laughs> just like popping up out of the water and staring at Come on, man. Alabama's A has a mullet. It does. It does. I mean, Sorry, Bama it's the, fans. It's the difference, yeah, it's the difference between mullet. that and the Braves logo is yeah, the mullet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Own it. Yeah. Own it. Your A has a mullet. That's right. Mullet A. <laughs> now, after we visited Niceville. Angryville. Roll on, roll on away from Boggy, the mullets. Meanville. You may need a rest, so let's go to Couch. Couch. C-O-U-C-H. Couch. Couch. Oh. We have Florida, and Florida is such a weird state. Everything sounds like it could work as a Florida city. Well, I'm just going to go Virginia. I don't really know why. Couch, Florida, Couch, Virginia. I mean, to be fair, okay, name the state that Couch wouldn't work with. Like, even you said uh, Couch, North Dakota. That sounds right yeah, to me. Yeah, that's no? fair. Couch, Alaska. 
I don't know. I mean, Couch Hawaii. Probably Hawaii. Couch, Couch Hawaii. Minnesota. Minnesota works. You know, I just... Ca- Piano, Texas. I'm just kidding. I don't I'm going know. Virginia. Autumn in Arkansas. I'm going Virginia. Autumn. I always used to think Plano was piano. I just couldn't mm. read. <laughs> I used to think Amarillo was Armadillo. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, Amarillo, Armadillo, Armadillo Texas. Um, I'm gonna go Virginia. I don't know. All right, two Virginias. Also going Virginia. Well, Couch was located in a furniture state. store of Florida. Oh, oh. Couch, Florida. And How did you find this? I can't even find you this. You could have eaten. Yeah, I, I couldn't find much on it either. I just have a list of names. Well, I'm, I, I'm typing in Couch, I've, nice. I've typed yeah, in yeah, Couch there, Florida. You got it. I've typed in Couch Florida with nothing. I've typed in Couch Virginia with nothing. All I get are yeah, I, ads I for furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Her lazy boy's got a great sale. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, it's a great I place to find some loose change if you're looking for that. Couch Florida, huh? We're doing serious things on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Uh, Florida-style furniture that will make you feel like you're at home. Serious people. Did you say Florida-style furniture? <laughs> yes, what I said. didn't know that was a thing. I didn't either. So I don't know. So we don't have any further details. No, like, I literally like can't. gator skin? Or? I literally can't find it. How did you find this? I literally Can you find it on a map? You type in the Google map part of it and, or Apple Maps. Can you find Couch Florida? I'm trying that right now. Couch Florida. No. No. Couch. Furniture stores oh. in Florida. Duh. I got land for sale in couch. I, I, I found something. Oh, he found it. Oh, it's just north of Panama City. Oh. Okay. That's, that's They've something. They've got the Mid-South Lumber Hardware and Feed Store. I like what it says here. Couch Florida is a very small town up on the state's yeah, panhandle north of Panama City. Its tiny size and name make it one of the hardest, if not the hardest, town to find in Florida. No crap. Really? I just couldn't find it on the dadgum internet. Confirmed. Confirmed. I, it would have been cool if someone's like, yeah, I named my couch a whole town. Like, the couch is the town. And got it, went through the trouble. How, what all would you have to do? Unincorporated a couch. I don't know. <laughs> so no population for couch or any any other. Uh, let's see. It's okay. <laughs> I like this. Simply googling couch Florida will result in a bunch of furniture stores and wow. a small chance you have heard of this place. There's not much information to be found about it. A Google map search will result in a tiny tree filled area with a two lane road and a railroad track dotted with small houses here and there. Why is it why it is it named Couch is likely only known to the residents who live there. So only the people that live there know. You can about. only know about Couch if you live in Couch. Seems a little too. Explosive. It's like Narnia. Uh. You go through it. You you know what? That's it. You fall asleep on the couch. You wake up and you're in Couch and you're like, hey, we're here now. <laughs> they they list. Yeah, that's weird. Now, if I I may be cheating here. I don't know if he's going to have this on his list. So uh-huh. I if I hear it, then Uh-oh. I'm going to know the state. But. Uh, it talks about farther up on the list. Two Egg is an agricultural community in Jackson County, located around the intersection of Green Road, Flat Road, and Fort Road. So we did. We've two already egg. had two. We egg. already did two Egg. Yeah. Huh. I'm just saying, Two Egg is on here as well. So there you go. Wait, did you say Two Egg is near Fork Road? <laughs> did Dude, that's pretty cool. Did oh. it really just on say couch? For Fort F O R T. Oh, Fort. Fort. Okay. Fort. Green. Dang, that's upsetting. Yeah. We could add some Green Road, Flat Road, and Fort. Road. <laughs> All right. All right. We got to get off. The That's enough. Yeah, we right. do need to get off the couch. You, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you how to get off. You know, 
We got to get off the couch. All I, these towns I, in Florida are like in the panhandle. It might as well be Alabama or Georgia town names. Yeah. Oh, I love I love the effort you put into these transitions, Brooks. Yeah, it's fun. It's good fun. We're moving on. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> to. I don't know if I can say this one on air. You can oh, do it. Boy. I believe in you. I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce it how I, I think it's safe to pronounce it on air. As a woman. A S S A W O M A N. As a woman. Yep. Florida. That one Florida. One more time. Huh? Spell it one more time. A S S A W O M A N. As a woman. As a woman. I'm going to say Florida because, again, that one has a very Native American sound to it for whatever reason. So I'm that saying that didn't work the first time. It, it did not. It also is the sound of, who's that over there? Uh, that's a woman. That seems southern. That's, that's, know, that's a, a like woman. That's a very a woman. southern way to say that's a woman. Again, any logic we can create here would say Florida. Should should I go Virginia just because of that? I don't know, man. I, guess, I think I've guessed Florida like five times Because he used that logic the first time, and it was Virginia. I'm going Virginia. I don't know why. Go ahead. Give me Virginia. The Commonwealth. As a woman, is a teeny tiny little area on the eastern shore of Accomack County, Virginia. Oh! oh! The original spelling was as a woman... Which, until Ramen? Asawaman. A-S-S-A-W-A-M-A-N. Asawaman. Whammon. Until it was officially changed in 1966, meaning that someone intentionally changed it from Asawaman to Asawoman. And they just let them get away with that? Yep. It was... Uh, like, it was, they, do, they do own... Like, there is structure to it. It was uh, it featured in a Huffington Post article, which was a list of the most unfortunate town names. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, however, the the Native American thing though, we were on the right track there because uh, the name Asawaman denoted a female Indian of the similarly named tribe. Yeah, that's what they said. Okay, they, so- they were asking what to like. What do we call you, Asawoman? Asawoman. 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 Now the crazy thing is, so if you look at the map, so you have everybody knows the state that what the shape of Virginia looks like. It's not in that. You go across the the bay and there's this little finger that sticks down off of Maryland and it's in that. Yeah. Okay. So it's not on the mainland part of Virginia. It's on that little strip peninsula that comes down off of Maryland that most people gotcha. would not even realize is part of the state of Virginia. Yeah, again, you, well, those are places, too. <laughs> At the well, end of the day, those little dots. Like not, the, a, uh, not, a, not a lot of info. Zip code's like 23302. I don't have an area code. It's like the upper peninsula of Michigan. Sort of. Or can you drive? Is it close enough to drive? I mean, I, I've, I haven't pulled up the map. Or like, do we have a long bridge across to that? There might, there might be a bridge because I think that's around like, like if you were to go from Norfolk, maybe you'd be able to go over to it. You can take a boat. Take a boat. That's what I was saying. Like, do you have to ferry over there? Because oh no, yeah, the, uh, there's a bridge, uh, 13 bridge from Norfolk goes over there to it. So yeah. You can take a bridge to it, or you okay. just come down from Maryland. As a woman. So there you go. As a woman. As a woman is connected to the mainland of Virginia. So there you go. I'm glad it's not set apart. Yeah. All right. Are we moving on? Yes, we are. A couple more. We're, we're going to power through this because we have Thunder Chickens coming up at 630. 
we're no no break this hour so we're just gonna power right on through this so that gives us seven or eight more minutes here so let's go let's keep going we're moving on from as a woman everyone as knows a man <laughs> no i was gonna say well as a, man. as a man the things you want is a, is a you know a, a nice woman as a woman. settle down with and a good dog so we're going dog town dog town dog, dog town. town dog town Okay, so in theory, this town should be named because there were a lot of dogs there. However, it's going to be way dumber than that and way less cool. Uh, Dogtown. Dogtown, Virginia. Dogtown, Florida. Dogtown. Virginia. I don't think I've... I'm going to say Virginia because I don't think I've used a lot of Virginia. I think I've just been living down in the state of Florida. I'm going to go Dogtown, Virginia. I've been doing much the same thing. I I feel like I've heard of Dogtown, Virginia before. But I could just totally be making that up. But I'm I'm gonna stick with Virginia. Dogtown. I haven't said it yet. It's located in the state. Oh, Ryan hasn't said that. Either Virginia. Thank you. Or no. Florida. Let's go. Uh, they. I don't know who has the lead. I've gotten do one we, right. Do we I have care? one right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'll go. I'll go Florida. I want to try to keep make, being a contrarian. Florida again. Dogtown is located. In the state of Florida. <laughs> Ooh, well, you well, know, Dogtown <laughs> is located in Gadsden County, Florida. Once again, on the Panhandle. Everything's on the Panhandle in Florida. About 1.3 miles south of the Florida Georgia line. Not the band. Is that, is that how they roll? Yeah. <laughs> it's along County Road <laughs> that was, 159. That was <laughs> a portion of geo, uh, geologic clay formation found in North Florida called the Terrera Formation is exposed near Dogtown. And the formation is known as the Dogtown Member. So it has nothing to do with dogs. Cool. Nope. Well, uh, so uh, I currently have pictures pulled up of Dogtown, Virginia. Oh. <laughs> Controversy. So technically I, everybody I, was right. I will, I will let you look. Technically everybody was right. But I was going with Florida. Oh, there is two. Okay, there, okay. there is a. But I. But I. It's I award like, you no points. But I think it looks like Dogtown, Virginia, might be like a neighborhood of Norfolk. It's like part of Norfolk, I Virginia. Thought you were but say it's a neighborhood like, of dogs. But I mean, it's literally called <laughs> the Dogtown Roadhouse, and yeah, uh, yeah. Huh. But we're. Let me pull up Dogtown, Florida now, since uh, that's who you said it was. That's where we're going. Dog. One word, Dogtown? Dogtown, one word. Florida. Jeez, I can't type. I believe in you, though. I I, I completely believe. Dogtown, Florida. At least there's a Wikipedia for Dogtown, Florida. It's not Dogtown, Virginia. Yeah, see, I was right. Jeez, there's another one up here in the panhandle. Yeah. Gosh. Right there, Florida, Georgia line. Yeah, that, that band sucks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Throwing this country music shade. That's not country music. <laughs> How dare Listen, you? Listen, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we won't uh, get into a philosophical battle. But I agree with no. you. Elevation is two hundred ninety-two feet. That's about all I have. The elevation is what now? Two thousand two hundred. Oh, okay. I was about to say two thousand seems like a lot for Florida. Yeah. Parts of it are under sea level and. Yeah, doesn't that that ever, that was a mind trip for me? It's just like how you could be under sea level but not right actually flooded. Yep. It just the, the premise of that is tough for the mind of Ryan Lavoy to wrap around. But 
Uh, okay, so we, there was a dog town for both, but uh, we were going by the Florida. I, I think Florida is more of the official town. I, I think Dogtown is probably something else. Probably stupid. You think they have debates on it on dog Twitter? They might. <laughs> Between Florida and Virginia, which one's the dog town? What else we got dog on? Dog Twitter. Dogtown. What is that? There, there's so many debates um, that only the people from that locale would care about, so why not that? True. Are they even aware of each other's existence? Uh, Dogtown is northwest of Tallahassee. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, right on the Georgia border. Not very far from Climax, Georgia. Uh oh. Do you think the elevation's higher there? No. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I plead the fifth. So, how many more do we, of these do we have, Brooke? I've got quite a few, well, so you, you have to limit me. got about seven minutes left in the show, so we're going to do maybe two more. Two more. All right. So pick your best two. Let's roll through. Take your best shot. Dogtown. That's in Florida. That's in Florida. And Virginia. And Virginia. <laughs> Probably a couple other places. So, getting to that point, it was kind of a tight squeeze. Is that the name of the town? It's the name of the town. Tight squeeze. Tight squeeze. Tight squeeze. Tight, one word or two? One word. T-I-G-H-T-S-Q-U-E-E-Z-E. Tight squeeze. Southern Virginia. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say Virginia. Hey, tight Virginia's. Virginia's. I'm going Florida. I'm going Florida. Tight squeeze. Community near Danville, Virginia. Mm. Got its name when two merchants both decided to build their shops on the road's edge, but directly across from one another... The idea was that the ladies wouldn't have to get their dresses dirty when going from shop to carriage. The result was that the carriages couldn't get past the two shops without slowing down and maneuvering just right, making it a tight squeeze to get through. So, nice. to recap, they named the town because they built two stores that were too close together to walk between. Yep. Which is kind of how stores in the downtown area work. Yeah. Because it's a tight squeeze. Sometimes you have alleyways and sometimes they're connected yep. i'm just and just connecting the dots for you okay tight squeeze virginia was it what part of virginia uh near danville i don't know where danville what part is of Dan- what part of virginia is danville in wasn't there danville braves for a little there, while yeah there was yeah. Yeah. you were saying something about like the women's clothing it's they they built them close together so that when a carriage pulled up they didn't have to get off and dirty their dresses mm-hmm. walking from the okay the carriage to the shop uh, but it gets too close because the carriage just had to slow down because it was a. Uh, Wikipedia tight says, due to the closeness of the two buildings, buggies and wagons had to slow down as they passed between the two buildings. Thus, individuals were told to slow down for the tight squeeze where the two stores were located. Close enough. Close enough. Uh, it's, it's it's another one that's right there on the North Carolina border. So, yeah. Good I just want squeeze. one time my logic to be right. Like I was kind of proud that I was like, oh, got some mountains. And oh, okay, might be a twi- tight squ- a twite? A twite squeeze. <laughs> twice, twice twice squeeze. Twice squeeze. Twice squeeze. A tight squeeze. And no, it's about carriages and building things close together. All right, one more. One more. We started out with a lot of food. It's only fitting if we end sure. with a with something to put on the food. Yeah, I agree. Let's go to mayo. Oh, see, I don't like mayo. 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 I don't like that. M-A-Y-O. Is mayo. there a mayo OJ? Texas? I feel like I've heard of a mayo Texas. The could, could be confusing OJ. it with Waco, for what it's worth. Mm. <laughs> often confused. <laughs> I often go down the Cotton and I said, I need some Waco for my hamburgers. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. The Baylor Bears. And Mayo, yeah. Texas. Yeah. I Mayo, Florida, think Mayo, Florida. I'm gonna Again, say May, I'm gonna say Mayo, Florida. They all fit. I, 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 Florida. I've gotten one right. This is depressing. Just tell me. And on a good note, you got Florida. the first one right. Get the last one. Florida. Right. Mayo is a town and the only municipality in Lafayette County, Florida. There Let's it go. Is. In, in on a high note. In August of 2018, this is a fun fact. Mayo August temporarily. Yep. August 2018. Mayo temporarily changed its name to Miracle Whip. As an advertising <laughs> stunt for Kraft's Miracle Whip brand. Yeah. Heck yeah. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, the town has a total area of 2.1 kilometers, so 0.81 square miles, all land. 0.81 square miles? Yeah. That's a little, That's less a than spot. a square mile. Oh, wow. Yeah. There is some... There's some very famous people from uh, Mayo. Wow, you got did, room for like 50 did, of them. Did they? Did one of them build a cabin? Wow. I'm so, <laughs> wow. Um, Kerwin Bell, former college and professional quarterback and collegiate coach. Kerwin Bell was a superstar quarterback at Florida in the 80s. Uh, Bill Birchfield, a lawyer. Uh, Reggie McGrew, former college and defensive line for Florida in the 49ers. Herbert Perry, former football baseball player Herb. for Florida. Charlie Strong. No, no, that's not, I'm just kidding. Whoa. No, I'm Whoa. just kidding. Whoa. Charles Strong. Uh, oh, this is a band. sad song. He was lynched in mail on January 17th, 1922. Why do they have him as a notable people? That's weird. It was well, notable, but well, yeah, probably but, for the well, wrong reason. Tom, uh, there's only like Dan, 50 people there. Well, I know, so but like, it's just like so weird. It's like they, <laughs> when someone um, passes, you're uh, Dan, notable. Dan White, American actor, vaudeville theater, relevant, and then uh, Ricky Natil, former college and professional football player, wide receiver for Florida and the Denver Broncos. So, so everyone that plays football there that's good goes to Florida. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Well, it's not far from Gainesville. I mean, it looks like it's right next to Gainesville. So what we're oh. saying. Never know. What we're saying is Florida State's got to get in there and start winning these Mayo recruiting battles. (laughs) (laughs) Pulling it up on the map real quick. Uh, Man, do you think they have like a Mayo Festival there or something? They better. I mean, they've changed their name to Miracle Whip, for for goodness sakes. And well, and unlike some of these, they look, uh, they feel vibrant. Like they're not struggling to exist. Like if they're willing to change their name recently. Mayo's kind of bland, yeah. though. Mayo, mayo, mayo it's, it's ketchup, and they've been vibrant. <laughs> mayo's kind of close to Gainesville. It's northwest of Gainesville, still by a pretty good clip. It's kind of out the just out in the middle of nowhere. There's not really anything. There's not really anything around Mayo, Virginia, or Mayo, Virginia, Mayo, Florida that would uh, Lake City, maybe, maybe some. Yeah, Lake Lake City's pretty big. Yeah, maybe some. So Lake, Lake City is pretty close. It's uh. Kind of tucked down in there between I ten and I seventy five, where it mm. meets up. I can envision that interchange. Yeah, that's full of mayo. Drive yeah. full of mayo. Yeah, I'm gonna watch for mayo next time linking across the road. Hopefully, none of that. Don't want to get slippery out there. Mm. And uh, mm. you're just not a mayo fan, anyway. That one, well, not the city of the of the food item. Yeah, our listenership down there may have risen yeah. their own, but that statement. Yeah, I hate that for. All eight of them. Anyway, <laughs> that was Town Name Tuesday. That yeah, was. Florida and Virginia. That was a lot of fun. Brant, thank you for being on uh, for that segment. That turned out to be an hour, basically. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Just a moment left in the show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. 
Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, yeah. Thunder Chickens, and what else tonight? Well, the Thunder Chickens are on. You can't stream it or watch it anywhere. So, what you know, when you're waiting for updates to come through on Twitter about it, here's what you can watch. Family, uh, your family flick for the night. Sit the kids down. Watch six o'clock on Nickelodeon Hotel Transylvania. It's quickly become a staple on the Nightly TV Guide because it's just on every single night. Uh, your Marvel fix for the evening, six forty-five on FXM. Deadpool two, starring Ryan Reynolds. And then at 7 o'clock on TNT, this is a favorite movie of Ryan LaVoy, Knives Out is on 7 o'clock on TNT. I do detect foul play. That's my best Benoit Blanc impersonation. That was not CSI KFC. See? And now for the sports picks for the night. Not a lot on tonight in the sports world, just two different sports on. 7 o'clock on Fox, it's the MLB All-Star Game, the NL All-Stars versus the AL All-Stars, and the 93rd Midsummer Classic from T-Mobile Park in Seattle. And then at 7 o'clock on ESPN2, you got some NBA Summer League action as the Phoenix Suns take on the New Orleans Pelicans, followed up at 9 o'clock by the Chicago Bulls and the Sacramento Kings. And that is a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. Yeah, we didn't really get to it, but uh, Cunha leading off the All-Star game tonight. Yeah. got Freddie Freeman hitting right behind him. you got Murphy starting, Arcia batting ninth. It'll be fun, so the All-Star game, looking forward to that tonight. We're going to have our All-Star game of our own on the diamond in just a little bit. Mm. Maybe, we, maybe, we'll have opposing good, team. maybe we'll have some good news tomorrow. Maybe we will. But uh, that will do it for the show today. Brooks, thank you for being here, sir. See you on the ball field in a little bit. See ya. And Tom Peavy, thank you for being here. We'll see you out there in just a little bit. We'll see you again tomorrow on the show. Yep. Be there both times. Again, we appreciate everyone that tuned in and called in for today. For Brant Dontry, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Tuesday night. We'll talk again tomorrow.